gentlemen the final show of the year of the sports loud mounts 631 is the number to call you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com you can check out all our live shows throughout the weeks and ladies and gentlemen we have a buffalo bill show we have a jet show we have a bet- betting show we have a cincinnati Bengals show we have so many shows on our network and we're so very happy to entertain you every single wednesdays and thursdays for the sports loudmouths wednesdays at 7 p.m and thursdays at 9 p.m speedy what's up man speaking of cincinnati Bengals, i actually got to uh, reunite with a friend of mine from college earlier today. He had his uh, flight stuck in, uh, in in New York City at JFK, so he decided to come out and spend a little time. His flight has been canceled and moved to Saturday, so we spent some time at Buffalo Wild Wings. Got to catch up. He's actually oh. a Bengals fan. Oh, those wings give me sickness, man. Well, I only ate half of them. Did I mean, you have Sauce's new uh, sauce? I did not. I mean, he, he promotes it over there at Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, I, I, I saw the p- promotions for it later. <laughs> But again, we weren't really paying you attention. You never tested sauces, beautiful think, hot sauce. It. I didn't think of it at the time. I probably would have if I did. Oh I did, man, but. I could only imagine. Yeah. I don't like hot sauce. I know so you don't, but it wouldn't be good for my stomach. That's for sure. But yeah, no. I, if I thought of it, I would have because I saw the they had the flickering advertisements for it later. But I would have I would have thought of it if I remembered it at the time. But it was fun to catch up. I haven't seen the guy in five years though. Five and, years. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, he's working now in Virginia. So. Oh my God, boring Virginia. Yeah. He, He's Where doing, Richmond? Where does he? Where's he work? Norfolk. He's uh, he's involved with um, aquatic and engineering stuff. And I have no idea what that means. Yeah, it's a lot of it's. He's, he has to do a lot of different underwater aquatic. trails. There were many times. There was a time he said he almost. I know what aquat is. Too. Good but aquatic. I don't know aquatic. I, yes, under a lot of underwater drills, and he's, he's stuck. He's a lot of these times he's stuck in these ships and glass domes, and he has to do tests in them and all different things. Oh, he hangs out with the Navy then. And yeah, he has before. Yeah, he's uh, obviously not a member of the military, but yes, he has seen a lot of Navy facilities for sure. At nine thirty, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to former Colts and Broncos defensive end and linebacker Daryl Reed. He'll be joining us. And at ten thirty, we'll be talking to heavy sports jet. jet I'm sorry, Jets digital reporter Paul Estin Jr. He's been on a show before. Uh, we we go back and forth. Yes, we do. So I'm looking forward to having him on the show as well. Uh, so we'll get into tonight. Uh, it seems like it is a story throughout the country, and everybody keeps saying nobody cares about Zach Wilson. Well, it's the biggest story right now in the NFL. Uh, anonymous NFL executives believe Zach Wilson will be traded at a lower price than expected. So Zach Wilson will be looked at in the offseason by a ton of organizations. The question is, what will they be willing to give up for him? That will be only answered 
at the end of this at the end of the season. Uh, the Broncos and Cardinals, if Mr. Cliff Kingsbury is fired, mm, they're expected to heavily pursue, yes, ladies and gentlemen, Sean Payton, the big acquisition. So there you go. Uh, Carlos Correa says he will not take a pay cut and a year cut if he re-signs with the Mets. LeBron expresses uncertainty of how long when uh, his contract is up and and when he's willing to stay, if he's willing to stay with the Lakers uh, or be traded. So that'll be interesting. And, And everybody believes that LeBron James is waiting until his son, Bronny, comes to the NBA. He wants to play or have an opportunity to play with his son. I don't know how long uh, he plans to stay in the NBA. I, I don't know where he sees himself in the future. He's making a lot of money off the court, so I don't understand why he would still want to be on the court. But he's still playing pretty good basketball, even though the Lakers stink. Uh, Terrell Owens uh, reaches out to the Cowboys about potential comeback at the age of 48. That is not happening, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think that's going to happen. College football playoff previews and picks we'll get into a little bit later in week 17 picks. So um, not much going on right now when it comes to football. Obviously, that's two weeks of the NFL, so a lot of people are looking forward to We have a football game tonight, the Cowboys in Tennessee. It looks like Tennessee is practically throwing the season away. They're not looking uh, to make the playoffs. Uh, obviously, Ryan Tannehill is not 100%. They're not playing uh, their young quarterback that they drafted uh, in this year's past draft. And Derrick Henry is not playing. So what does that tell you? Absolute failure. There's no way in hell they're beating the Cowboys. And the Cowboys are trying to get back on track. So uh, it's 10 nothing Cowboys um, against Tennessee right now as we speak. So why don't we get into... The New York Jets, because, again, Zach Wilson's name keeps getting brought up, brought up, brought up. And I I understand people sit here today and they're wondering, what are the Jets going to do in the offseason? What are the Jets' plans in the offseason? Zach Wilson obviously obviously is not the guy. People and and the organization... Some people in the organization believe Mike White could be. Mike White is 27, going to be 28 years old. He's been in the league for about seven years. Actually, six. Next year will be his seventh. He was drafted in the same year as Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. That draft class. I don't believe Mike White is the answer for the New York Jets. I don't. And I don't think any Jets executive believes Mike White is the answer. Remember, the Jets waived Mike White five times. Five. And the Jets have brought him back off of waivers. The Cowboys waived him twice before they let him go. That means he was waived seven times in his six-year career. Seven times in a six-year career. Those aren't good numbers. Now, I know everybody's sitting here and is saying, well, Mike White's better than Zach Wilson. He is. Zach Wilson right now is not a competent NFL quarterback. He's not. He doesn't see the the field right. Everybody was talking about his and speaking about his arm strength. 
it, it hasn't really shown this year. His accuracy, throwing to short passes and pitch passes are not good. He hasn't been good. His numbers are some of the worst numbers a starting quarterback has had since Jamarcus Russell. And everybody remembers Jamarcus Russell on the Oakland Raiders. He who didn't want to watch film and edit hidden from him. <laughs> I mean, right now, we sit here today and we wonder, where do the Jets go in the offseason? Obviously, Derek Carr is going to be sitting for the rest of the season. He will be a quarterback that could be let go or traded at the end of the season. Uh, that will only rest on McDaniel's head or hands if he's still there. I don't know where the Jets go in the offseason when it comes to the quarterback position. But it's not going to be Zach Wilson. There is no way the Jets bring back Zach Wilson next year after this. I don't know what you call it. Debacle. Debacle of a season. Now, you sit here right now and the Jets really going into the air only wanted to play an opera will have an opportunity to make the playoffs. They want to play meaningful games in December. That's what Robert Sala said in the beginning of the season. As long as we play meaningful games in December, that is a good year for the New York Jets. And they're right there. Two weeks left. They have Seattle and Miami. If they beat both teams and the Patriots lose one game, the Jets make the playoffs. For the first time in 12 years. This is a hard task. Because they got to go to Miami. They got to go to Seattle. They got to be at a team like Seattle that's trying to push to make the playoffs as well. Miami right now is, I don't know, crawling into the playoffs. And, and if they don't win this week, I think they play the Patriots this They're week. at New England this week. If they don't beat the Patriots this week... Without Tua, because right now he has in, he's in concussion protocol. But they have a competent backup in Teddy Bridgewater. If they can't beat New England in New England, you're going back home against the New York Jets. A hungry team, if they beat Seattle, that has already beaten you this year. Yes, it was without Tua. And we don't even know if Tua will play in Week 18. So... I, I've been reading so many different things on what NFL executives believe Zach Wilson is going to cost in the offseason. And a lot of them believe the Jets aren't going to get less. They're not going to get more than a fourth-round draft pick if they trade him. Now, I don't know what the Jets are planning to do with him. But I, I can't, if I was running this organization, if I was Joe Douglas... Do I keep this kid on the sidelines next year, even if he doesn't play, or he's a third-string quarterback? Would you, as a Jet fan, after what you have seen throughout this season, the debacle in the New England games, then not taking responsibility, then his mother speaking out and, and talking trash and speaking trash about the Jets fans and the New York media, Zach Wilson really not taking enough responsibility week in and week out after coming back. 
then trying to make excuses about his game and his play. And I don't blame Zach Wilson for all of this. I don't. Mike LaFleur has a lot to do behind this. This is a rookie offensive coordinator coming and and obviously coaching behind Kyle Shanahan over the years, uh, Sean McVay. All these guys, including his brother, Matt LaFleur, who's right now, I guess, crawling into the playoffs too. He might not make the playoffs. He's got to win out. Washington has to give them help. They have to lose a game. They're crawling. I think Seattle does too. You look at the situation of this Zach Wilson thing, there's really nothing Looking, if you're if you're running this team right now, if you are Joe Douglas right now, no matter what happens, even if they make the playoffs this year, this responsibility that he has now in the offseason, this pressure he has in the offseason to either deliver a quarterback in free agency, trade Zach Wilson and get as much as you can for him, a.k.a. Sam Darnold, and find... A veteran quarterback, if it's not Derek Carr, if it's not Aaron Rodgers, if it's not, uh, I don't know who else, Lamar Jackson, I I doubt he's going to be available. Jimmy Garoppolo, if it's not one of those guys, he has to find a guy that will fill in next year, give you a chance to win, and then maybe if a quarterback falls like Richardson in the second round, you take a flyer on him. And you have him on the bench for the next two years behind a Derek Carr, behind an Aaron Rodgers, behind one of these quarterbacks, and let him figure it out as a quarterback. Because right now, right now, Zach Wilson has not. If you were to ask me right now, can Zach Wilson play on any team in the NFL, even as a backup, the answer would be no. And the other thing that's tricky with this market in particular is when, when the Jets made the trade with Sam Darnold, I think there was a whole new regime all at once. Matt Rule, college coach coming in, young guy, wanted a young quarterback right away. I think they need that perfect fit to happen to make it work where you have that situation. And some coach, some guy that has to really take a chance to make his coaching career take off, trust Zach Wilson's arm talent to be able to do it. And I don't know if any of these coaches right now in the situations that these quarterbacks are in are going to be able to want that. And that's why I think this trade value is dropping already. Now, we were hearing from other guests that we've had on the show that a third-round pick is probably what his market would be. That's what I was thinking initially, too. But if it's not going to be a, a third-round pick, I don't know. Maybe you're better off waiting at this point. But it's tough because when is he going to play? If Derek Carr is a Jet or if Jimmy G is a Jet, unless one of those guys gets hurt, like when is he going to play? And how much is going to up his value? I don't believe the fans are going to allow – him to sit on the bench. And okay. and that's the thing with Joe Douglas. That's the that's where he has to control this. If he decides to bring him back, if Robert Sala decides to bring him back, they have to make sure they protect this kid. Because all season long, he's been attacked by the press. All season long, he's been attacked by the fans. All season long, he's been looked at, looked at as the clown of the organization. And they haven't. And I know Robert Sala's trying to take the pressure off him, take the focus off of him. But how can you when you have Garrett Wilson dancing around and, and, and pointing his finger every time he misses the ball, the ball's not at him, or Elijah Moore crying on the sidelines, 
or any of these wide receivers complaining that they're not getting the ball in the right position or the right spots. Or Elijah Moore complaining on Twitter, too. And Denzel Mims asking for trades and all that stuff. To me right now, where you look at the organization, they believe, and I believe the organization believes, Zach Wilson isn't the guy. Nor will he be the guy in the next two or three years. So there has to be an organization out there that will take Zach Wilson as a backup quarterback or as a third-string quarterback, will sit him on the bench, let him learn the offense, and then moving forward, will make a decision on what they could do with him. Maybe after they figure out what his problem is and his mechanics, then figure out on fixing those mechanics, those mechanic problems, and then after they do that, a.k.a. Andy Reid, they could get more back for him. So maybe trade him for a third-round draft pick. And, and two years, three years down the road, maybe you get a second-round draft pick. Or a first, a late first-round draft pick for Zach Wilson. He'll still be fairly young. Three years from now, he'll be 26. You still get him at the prime of his career. But the, the top story right now in the NFL is, what do the Jets do with Zach Wilson in the offseason? Nobody, and I know everybody's saying there's a lot of big games this weekend. There's a lot of big games in week 18. Zach Wilson has been killed on ESPN, CBS, NBC. And it's not just here in New York. No, It's all over the country. All over YouTube. TikTok. I have, I'm not even a TikTok fan. I'm not even on TikTok. Speedy posts up our stuff on TikTok. I'm not even on TikTok, and every single time I, I, what do they call it, flipping, flipping through TikTok, every other thing on TikTok when it comes to sports is on Zach Wilson, comparing, contrasting his throwing, his throwing ability, and his numbers, and this and that, comparing him to Jamarcus Russell, and comparing him to Ryan Leaf, and comparing him to some of the worst quarterbacks we've seen been drafted so high in the last 20 years. I feel bad for the kid. Damn, that is really bad. If you're going to get down to that level already, Jamarcus Russell, who... Didn't watch any tape. Was overweight. Ryan Leaf, who went to prison. Yeah, that's pretty bad standards if you're, you're going to do that. Uh, Carl says, uh, trade up to the Bears' number two mm. pick. Uh, I mean, that's going to be pricey if you're going to try to do that. If the Jets do that, they're going to have to give up at least three first-round draft picks. Yeah. Or two first rounds, two second rounds, and a third. Right. I mean, players. depending yeah. on where the Jets land. Now, it, right now, the Jets would be at 15. So jumping from 15 to 2 is a significant jump. Right. You're talking probably two first, two seconds, and maybe a third and a fourth. It's a lot. Yeah. Now, would I do that if I were the Jets? If the quarterback, if you believe the quarterback of the future of your organization, is that quarterback is going to take you in two years to a Super Bowl, then I'd do it. Are you ready to win a Super Bowl? All you need is a quarterback. I think the Jets are missing a couple of pieces. It's not just the quarterback. They need to figure out what this offensive line is. Now, when Elijah Vera Tucker comes back, if Makai Beckham actually stays healthy this year, and, he, and, and supposedly he lost 75, 80 pounds, and he's training at the facilities, if that is true and he can stay healthy on the field and the big ticket could play this year, 
This offensive line could be better. But really, the last six weeks, this offensive line has been horrendous. Arguably one of the worst offensive lines in the last six weeks in the league. It's weird because they got so many guys back, too. It just feels like, feels like they're out of sync. George Fon isn't 100% healthy. Maybe. I He's not. And, and, and to me, Lincoln, Lincoln Tomlinson has been horrible. You gave him that much money to come from San Francisco. He was a pro ball player last year. And, and listen, he was playing right next to one of the best left tackles in the league. Okay? If not the best in Williams. So I, I understand Lincoln Tomlinson's a good player. But he hasn't been good for the Jets. And then we go back as good of the drafts that we have seen Joe Douglas have for the last two years. His free agency, you know, pickups have been horrible. Lincoln Thomason hasn't been good. If we go up and down the guys that he has brought in over the years, Corey Davis has been horrible. He can't stay healthy. And I, I'm not looking at the list right now. Conklin's been okay this year. C.J. Usama, he has not been good this year. No, only like two good games at all. Every single player that he has brought in in free agency has not worked. And by the way, Mike LaFleur, you have to figure out what you're doing with this guy. He's not the answer. He's not. And by the way, Jeff says, thoughts on FSU, one six in a row. No, that's, I'm sorry, Carl saying that. Yes, Jeff. Uh, Jeff mentioning FSU like they were. I think they, they said that he was. Uh, they were overrated about a month ago. I think that's why Carl's saying it. But yeah, six in a row in the season. They finished at thirteen at the end of the regular season. If you're if you're a Jet fan, there is no answers to what the Jets probably do in the off season. Whatever they decide to do with Zach Wilson, people are going to have their own thoughts to it, bad and good. If they decide to get rid of him, there'll be Jet fans saying we wasted a second, the second pick in the first round two years ago when we could have drafted this guy or we could have drafted that guy or we, we didn't have to draft a quarterback. We could have kept Sam Darnold. And Sam Darnold, with the, the roster that they have set up right now, would be better and more fit, more fit to play in this offense. No matter what Joe Douglas does this offseason, his career, I, I would say not, his career as a Jet GM will be up for grabs after this year. After next year, I'm sorry. They're going, the Jets organization will give him one more year to get this right. Maybe not the quarterback. And I, I, I do believe there's a lot of good things that Joe Douglas did this year. This was one of the greatest drafts the New York Jets have ever had. One of the greatest drafts we've seen a football team have in the last 10 years. Bringing in Garrett Wilson, bringing in Sauce Gardner, bringing in Jermaine Johnson, bringing in Clemens, bringing in, obviously, Brees Hall, bringing in Max Mitchell. This was a good draft for the Jets. They need another one this year. They need to find players in the later rounds that will fit this offense because as good as the weapons the Jets have, they're missing something. They're missing something. And I also believe when you look at the big picture with the Zach Wilson thing, what executives are saying, what do the executives know? Now, obviously, they they run their own teams. There, there could be one executive, a.k.a. the Carolina Panthers, right. that will offer the Jets 
a second and a fifth for Zach Wilson. Carl, again, and I, I was arguing a couple of years ago, not with Carl, but I, I forget who it was, when I said that the Jets, if they trade Sam Donald, they can get a second and a fifth. And they winded up getting a second and fourth. Right. So I don't think the Jets are getting two picks for him. But I wouldn't be surprised if they can get a third-round draft pick for him. I wouldn't be. That's what I thought initially a couple of weeks ago when Zach Wilson initially got benched and they were thinking about moving him because the value's still there. But again, if these comments are true with these executives, maybe they don't believe that the leadership aspect, the coachability, could turn around. And maybe that's the biggest issue they have. They need the. They don't need the. They need the right coach. Broncos and Cardinals interested, obviously. In Sean Payton, if Kingsbury is fired, we all know uh, Nathaniel Hackett would fi- was fired uh, a few hours ago, well, 24, 48 hours ago. I don't know if Sean Payton wants to go to any of these teams. There was a story coming out that Sean Payton would be interested in coming back to the NFL in the offseason if the right job becomes available. There were stories coming out that the only two jobs he wanted uh, he wanted this offseason if they become available are the two LA jobs. The Rams, which it seems like Sean McVay is coming back. And then obviously the Chargers and the Chargers are making the playoffs this year. Now, the question is, do they get out of the playing game, the wild card game? I don't know. Justin Herbert is the real deal. And maybe ownership over there thinks that Sean Payton can take them far further in the offseason if they believe that this coaching staff can't and couldn't. Sean Payton is a good coach. He's been a successful coach in the NFL. He's won a Super Bowl with the Saints. Won Super Bowl with the Saints. He's a Bill Parcells guy. Obviously, very well respected around the league. Great offensive mind. Some people say that if McCarthy was going to be fired, he was the next coach to be uh, taking over for the Cowboys. Oh Yeah, the Beavs essentially cemented him to the Dallas Cowboys. A lot of people did. Yeah. It's not just the Beavs. Uh-huh. A lot of people thought or think that Sean Payton would want to go and play for Jerry Jones and coach for Jerry Jones. And help this team get over the hump. Obviously, since the 90s, they haven't won. I don't know where Sean Payton wants to coach. And I don't know if the Cardinals fit for what he likes to run. Now, Kyler Murray, small quarterback. Drew Brees, small quarterback. Drew Brees has a sensational, accurate arm. He does. Kyler Murray, the last past year, has not been accurate. He hasn't been. And it's been a huge problem in his development and his growth as a quarterback. He made a lot of money in the offseason, crying that he should be paid as, as, as well as Lamar Jackson uh, got offered, and he didn't take, by the way. He believed, Kyler Murray believed, he was an elite quarterback and hasn't produced this year, a.k.a. Russell Wilson. The Broncos are an organization that has a quarterback that has been successful, that has been in a couple of Super Bowls, that's won a Super Bowl, but has not been good this year, who 
made a lot of money too this offseason. They traded away their future, the Broncos. Then traded away one of their best, best defensive linemen to the Miami Dolphins at the trade deadline. Why would Sean Payton want to go to the Broncos when they look like they're rebuilding again? Now, you look at both these, you know, both these teams and where both of these teams lie right now. The Broncos are one of the hardest divisions in football. The Cardinals going into the season were in one of the hardest divisions in football. Do I think the Rams are going to be as bad as they were this year? I do not. Do I think San Francisco is going to be worse than they were this year when they're pretty good? But I'm just saying, yeah, I, they're going to be even better next year. Seattle is growing as an organization. They actually have two quality offensive linemen. Finally. And they have a defense that in some games show up, in some games just disappear. They have a young running back in Kenneth Walker. They have wide receivers in Metcalf. They have weapons, and they can win. And Geno Smith is a good quarterback and could produce good numbers as a starting quarterback in Seattle. So you sit there with the Cardinals. Why would Sean Payton want to go to the Arizona Cardinals if Kingsbury gets fired? J.J. Watts retiring, Mm -hmm. even though he's an old man. There is nothing there. Nothing. Hopkins was suspended for four games for using human growth hormones and steroids. This team is, again, rebuilding. They're stuck in a weird predicament, too, because the Cardinals have a lot of cap issues that are upcoming. They have a lot of players that were originally fit for this coaching scheme the way it was with Kingsbury and the air raid offense. Now, Sean Payton obviously could work with any types of players, but the way they've drafted, they've essentially reached on a lot of these players, and it's made it hard to make it work. And the defensive side of the ball, too, they've had a lot of players that I thought were good prospects that they've been misusing over the years. I know Jeff's boys, Avon Collins, definitely one of them. Um, Isaiah Simmons, another. And they're just in a weird predicament right now. But, yeah, if they're going to they're gonna need, get anything coaching-wise going, they're going to have to get somebody like Peyton in there because otherwise it'll be hard. I don't think either of these teams are desirable right now. I agree with you, though. He's not going to any of those teams. Yeah. Unless they open up their pockets and pay him mucho dinero. And I, I'm, ta- I'm speaking probably $16, 15000000 a year. And Sean Payton takes over as the GM, too. He runs this organization. Yeah, uh-huh. That is the that. only way he goes to the Cardinals and the, the only way he goes to the Broncos. The Broncos aren't going to give him the authority to do that. Maybe the Cardinals do. No, the Broncos already said they're not going to. Yeah, so yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So the only team w- would probably give him the opportunity to do that is the Cardinals. The Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Jaguars already have their coach in Peterson. Yep. So he, he's, he's going nowhere. And that would be the only other team that I think would give him the opportunity to do that. So... Where does he go? And I, I just, I, I still think the Chargers are the, uh, is the team more likely to get him? But are they willing to part ways with that coaching staff? That only the Chargers are going to know after this season and where the season lies for them. They are going to the playoffs. Are they going to lose in the wild card game? Justin Herbert, I believe, is a star. He's proven to be a star in this league. Let's see if he can take it to that next level, just like we saw Joe Burrow do it last year. 
if Justin Herbert could win one game in the playoffs, they might not fire this coaching staff. Uh And then where does Sean Payton go? It's not the Giants. That's another organization he wanted to coach at because he came from that organization under Bill Parcells. Uh, Before we go to break, uh, Carl also says uh, Carolina. Yeah, Carolina. Carolina is a team that – but Wilkes has had a good – you know, since he's taken over for rule, he's been pretty good. Yeah. And if Carolina wins this week, if Carolina wins and Tampa loses, they're right there. They could actually sneak into the playoffs yep. with Steve Wilkes. Season sweep of the Buccaneers. Yeah, that'll do it. It's crazy. Carolina still has a chance. As bad of a season as this team has had, they fired their coach in the middle of the season. They could still make the playoffs. So it's crazy. It really is. It's it's going to be it the next two weeks is going to be fun for the NFL. The Jets the Jets are actually going to have a flex game. That that's the first time in like, I don't know, ten years they've been in a flex game. Yeah, it's, like they were scheduled on Thursday or something. Yeah. It's crazy. So if you're a Jet fan, you should be excited for that. They're not playing at one o'clock, they're playing at four. Hey. There you go. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to former Colts. Broncos defensive end and linebacker Daryl Reed here on the Sports Lab Mounts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mounts. Six three one six seven two thirty one zero eight is the number. You're listening to the Sports Lab Mounts. Check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Listen to all our shows throughout the week as we have a Buffalo Bills show. We have a Jets show. We have a betting show. We have a Cincinnati Bengals show. It, it's it's crazy. And I, I'd like to thank all the fans throughout the year tuning into us and giving us the support as they have. We had over 25,000 downloads on our app. So thank you to all the fans that really have uh, shown us some love, and uh, we plan to do that in 2023, entertaining you as always. And we have a very special guest, a guest that we've been trying to get on for the last past two years, and finally, he's on. We are talking to former Colts, Broncos, and defensive end and linebacker, Daryl Reed. Daryl, what's up, bud? How's it going? How's it going, fellas? We're good, man. How are you feeling? How's how are you and your family doing from the whole COVID nineteen situation? And uh, obviously, this two thousand twenty three year. You know what? I, I I lost I lost two family members. Unfortunately, um, I lost Sorry, my, uh, my, my uncle and my my great uncle almost like back to back over a year ago. So that was that was pretty tough on the family. But um, besides that, you know, uh, doing doing pretty good. Everybody else is pretty good. Well, we're happy. Uh, I lost. Um, oh, by the way, I'm sorry to hear that your uh, two family members passed away, and we're happy that you're doing better. Uh, I lost three family members this year as well, not from COVID. I lost a nephew, freak accident. I lost a cousin. I lost my aunt a couple of weeks ago to a massive heart attack. So I've been dealing with a lot of stuff too. It's been a crazy year, and hopefully, 2023 is better. So uh, yeah, yeah. COVID, COVID's trying to like. You know, rear its ugly head again. You know, it's trying to come back a little bit, make a little comeback or something right now. Yeah, but thank God COVID isn't as bad as it was when it first came out. It's, yeah, it's not as deadly, right? It's no, not- but we're happy to have you on. 
Daryl, and we, we'll get into your career first, and then we'll ask you some of your opinions of what you've seen so far in the NFL season. As everybody knows, we are talking to former Colts and Broncos defensive end and linebacker Daryl Daryl Reed. I'm sorry. So, Daryl, why don't we get into your career first? Because you were in the NFL for a significant amount of time, and uh, you were a pretty good linebacker and defensive end. Tell us, obviously, uh, what were your thoughts when you got drafted? And uh, and and in in your career, moving from defensive end to linebacker. Um, well, I, I mean, I, I wasn't drafted, so I was I was a free agent. I didn't have the pleasure of getting my name called, you know, on draft day or or the second day, or was it might have been three days back then, you know. So I didn't it, um, I didn't get my name called, but that was fine. I, I was I was okay. I was upset at mm-hmm. first, but I was okay with it. Um, I had my choice between. Three teams. There was three teams that really wanted me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was the Minnesota Vikings, and I had played college ball in Minnesota. I knew a lot of the players at Minnesota, Antoine Winfield, Kevin Williams. It was those days. Um, so I wanted to go to Minnesota. The Cleveland Browns were interested and the Indianapolis Colts, and they were all, all offering me the same signing bonus, $2,500. Mm. It's like – this is your shot. Take it or leave it. Right? <laughs> you know, um, but I wanted to go to the Vikings, but my agent actually said, you should go to the Colts. So you fit their system better. And I wasn't even thinking like I had, I, I, I obviously had a brain fart because Tony Dungy was the coach and he went to the University of Minnesota, but I didn't put it together at that time. And I didn't put it together that on that staff was about 10, 15 big 10 players. He had assembled a team of Big Ten players, and it was like three guys from Minnesota, three or four guys, me, Ben Utech, um, and he gave some other guys that came out that year a shot um, to make to make that team. But I didn't put that together till later. I mean, um, but fortunately, I, I got a chance to go to one of the, to me, one of the greatest franchises um, at the time, uh, that Indianapolis Colts team was, I mean, Bill Poley in the GM, you know, from the top down, right? Jim Mersey. You know, great, great owner, you know, you know, obviously, you know, well known in the public eye. Of course he known, is. Yeah. <laughs> known, the, known, you know, any of his players only have good things to say about him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's not one of those owners that, you know, players talk bad about after they leave, right? And then you got Bill Polian who put together the Buffalo Bills franchises that win four Super Bowls, right? So he knows how to put together great teams and great franchises. And then you got Tony Dungy, the, the coach, head coach, and then, Peyton on down to I probably played with 10, 15 future Hall of Famers, you know, and it's very rare that you get uh, a team full of that many great players. I mean, it it was I I shouldn't say I played with 10 or 10 or 15 over my career, but on that team, at least (sighs) at least seven. I'm going to say seven right now. Mm. I'm going to say seven. Peyton, right? Marvin are in. Um, Reggie Wayne, Reggie mm-hmm. Wayne should be in shortly. Both pass rushers, Freeney and Mathis uh, should uh, be in. Freeney, Freeney's in. Freeney will definitely get in. Mathis should get in. You know. Yep. Um, Dallas Clark, uh, I don't know. He should though. He he borderline, borderline. Yep. Borderline. Um, but you you know you got the kickers. You got Vinatieri. Yep. Should get in. He's one of the greatest kickers of all times. Long, long, long career. Um. And then you got the most accurate kicker ever, Mike Vanderjeck, right? You know, so you have, you know, a whole bunch of great players um, on that team. And so I was I was very fortunate to 
to land in Indianapolis. It was it was just a great a great situation for me. Yeah, Bob Sanders probably would have been too if he didn't have all those injuries. Towards <laughs> Bob the end Sanders of his was fantastic linebacker. Uh, Bob yeah. Sanders was unbelievable for about a four. And see, I I seen him play in college once again. Another Big Ten player, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I saw Bob playing in college, and he was just wrecking us <laughs> every, every time we played there. Yeah, I could believe that. Just don't have any of them uh, coach like uh, Jeff Saturday has been doing and uh, only winning one game so far and blowing a 33 nothing lead. Yeah, you know, he I think he he put I mean, he's in a tough situation, right? You know, that's fair. Um, I'll give you that. It, it's, it's hard to change the culture of the team midseason. Right. So um, I don't know if they're going to keep him around. I, it, it doesn't seem like they will. Right. And but for him, he's coming from ESPN. He's never coached before. And, you know, Ursay gave him a shot to try to change the culture that quickly and, you know, bring some morale to the locker room and uh, to the fan base. And, you know, he's known, obviously, he's well-liked, you know, in, in, in the Colts family, right? So, you know, gave him a shot. And, you know, Reggie Wayne's coaching there. So, you know, bringing a lot of players from that from that era back. Mm. Okay, could you see that kind of trend, though, keep going on? Because we've seen it in the NBA and MLB a lot. A lot of former players that end up being coaches. We're seeing now Demeco Ryans being a big rumor for the NFL with the 49ers as the defensive coordinator probably getting head coaching dubbed. So can you see that kind of trend starting, even with less experience? It's 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 tough. Usually usually it doesn't happen. Usually you have to work your way up the ranks like Danico's doing right now, right? And he's worked his way up. He's proven himself as a you know, a, a pretty good defensive coordinator. You know, I think he started off maybe in the linebackers and, you know, maybe as even an assistant before that. Um, so I don't – if Jeff Saturday would have came in and did well, that would have opened the door, right? But he didn't. So it's like, okay, so we need him to have a little bit more experience. You have coaches just haven't done well as head coaches. The head coach in Denver, Josh McDaniels, hmm. he just – as a head coach, it just it doesn't seem to come together like you think it would, you know. And he's a great offensive coordinator, right? He's been great in New England, but it, it doesn't seem to come together for him um, as a head coach, I, and I'm not sure why. He was great because he had Tom Brady. Let's be honest. I mean, anybody that coached – me and you could coach Tom Brady and tell Tom Brady, hey, we'll set you up a couple of short passes to your your uh, your running backs. Uh, you have you don't need star wide receivers because all you have to do is throw short passes, slant passes, and, well, and, and you guys are fast well, enough to get to the end zone. Well, well, let's not forget when Brady got hurt and Matt Castle stepped in, mm-hmm. Matt Castle looked phenomenal. Yes, right? he did. And yes, when it, did. when got that contract in, in Kansas City, right? So mm-hmm. – who was coaching Matt Castle to step in like like a starter, right? Mm. And maybe it was Bill Belichick. <laughs> well, we know Belichick's got his hands in, in everything, but yeah, Belichick is traditionally a defensive coach. I 100%. Mean, of course he can coach offense, but he comes from, you know, the Bill Parcells tree. He's a defensive coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We are well, he's a schemer. He, yes. He's one of the best schemers this game's had offensively. Yes. But I think Andy Reed is, is just on a whole nother level right now. He's just, he, he, to me, Andy Reed is the greatest offensive coordinator we've seen in the last 20 years. And everybody keeps talking and speaking about Sean Payton, how available he's going to be in the off season. Andy Reed, to me, everything that he's done, every quarterback he has coached, they, because of the way he runs his schemes and, and he brings all these different running backs in and he doesn't need a star wide receiver. He really doesn't. 
And, right. and you can see that the success that he brings because of the way he builds his offense, the way he runs his offense, it, it's, it's phenomenal. It really is. We are talking – I'm sorry. We are speaking to former Colts and Broncos defensive end and linebacker Daryl Reed. Go ahead, Daryl. No, not, not, not for nothing. I think um, with, with Coach Reed teaming up with Eric Bieniemy out in Kansas City, yeah. it just yeah. was like – are really because in Philly he was he wasn't able to win the big game right no and I mean it doesn't hurt that you have Pat Mahomes as your quarterback but the enemy definitely added some wrinkles to that offense you know they they, they he already had a lot of creativity right um, Andy Reid and I think the enemy just added a little bit of spice and mm. like you know those shovel passes and all that that wasn't that's not Andy Reid no. So, that has a lot to do with the talented quarterback that he has. And and maybe some of it's also, you know, Pat Mahomes. I I don't know personally, you know, how much he has, um, how much insight he has into designing offensive plays. But I know they draw him up. You you get them in the goal line. It's it's a headache. But Daryl, that that's the problem here. Why is we have we've heard about Eric Bieniemy, and he's been obviously appointed by a lot of different organizations. He's been interviewing; I think he interviewed sixteen times in the last two years. Why doesn't Bieniemy have a coaching job yet? That some people thought he was going to get Jacksonville. Jacksonville decided to part ways and give it to Urban Meyer, and then parted ways with Urban Meyer a year later and give it to uh, well, they gave it to Byron Leftwich. He couldn't pick out his own coaching staff. He goes back to Tampa Bay and then they they hired Doug Peterson. Uh, why hasn't Eric Bieniemy gotten a job? You know, that's a great question. I mean, I think I think he's proven himself to be one of the best if not the best offensive coordinator in NFL over the last 4 years at least. So, I I'm not sure he Maybe he doesn't interview well. It seems like he gets to the interview. They're interested in him, right? Yep. I, I don't know. I, I haven't sat in the interviews. Does he not interview well? I don't know why he it gets to the interview process. And then 16 times he gets turned down. This, he doesn't have a job. Like, he doesn't have a head coaching job. Nobody's willing to take a shot on him. You know, like, so it's so many struggling teams in the NFL. You figure mm-hmm. somebody would give him a shot. And so many dysfunctional ownerships. You think, like, you just take a swing at it. You don't have to do every process the same way you've done it for 20 years. And Eric Coleman, who's a good friend of mine, who's done a show with me over the last couple of years. We, obviously, we're not doing a show right now because he's on MSG. Uh, he does a betting show. Shout out to Eric Coleman. Uh, Eric knows Eric Bieniemy very, very well. And he he said that Eric Bieniemy would have been the perfect match for the Jets when they were looking for a coach before they hired Robert Sala. Uh, the Jets obviously went with Robert Sala. Good pick for the Jets. I'm very happy with Robert Sala. But uh, Eric Bieniemy has interviewed for – he interviewed, I think, twice for a job with the same organization – uh, I think it was uh, 2018, and then he interviewed again for the same organization in 2020 after they decided right. to part ways with their coach, and they still didn't hire him. Right. What What's happening in that in that interview? And I know Eric Coleman. Shouts to Eric. I seen Eric actually a, a few months ago out on out on uh, Long Island. <laughs> yes. Uh, at, at, at an event, so it was definitely good seeing him. Always good catching up with him, man. Real good guy. Uh, Eric is a good guy, and he's uh, he's doing his thing out here. He really is. Uh, uh, he needed some help with his uh, broadcasting. Uh, he decided to do a show on 103.9 with me and f- me for a year. We we built a good relationship, and he's doing very well on MSG right now. Uh, that uh, his betting show is doing very well, and, and shout out to him. He's 
He's he's really jumped. He really has, and I, I give him a lot of credit. He's worked really, really hard, and he's a good family man. And uh, looking forward to seeing him soon. Uh, we're we're gonna be going out to dinner soon. So shout out to Eric, Big Daddy Coleman. Anyways. So so are you ever a guest on his show, or he ever a guest on your show? Come know? on, uh, listen. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the truth. And by the way, we're here talking to former Colts and Broncos defensive end and linebacker Daryl Reed. Eric and me, when it comes to debating. Eric, you know, he, he takes it to a whole nother level. It's like he shifts to something and he makes me want to throw up. Okay. This guy actually tried to compare James Harden to Allen Iverson. This man tried to compare James Harden to the great Allen Iverson practice. Practice? Who needs practice? Probably Eric Coleman. Yeah, Eric Coleman needs practice when he makes a, you know, he argues a point with me. I mean, seriously, I, I will tell you this. The man, he, he's got such a good personality. Eric is, his personality is up there with the best. But when it comes to debating things, Mr. Reed, he's horrible. You know, you know who I would compare? Mm. Slight, slight. Don't get me wrong here. I would compare Oklahoma City Westbrook to Allen <laughs> Iverson. Closer. A little closer. Really? You really would. Yeah, just, I mean, just all out effort, you know, you know, all, always on the floor, you know, getting beat up and, and always and still playing through everything. You like Oklahoma City Westbrook and still finishing amongst the bigs, didn't mm. matter. Um, mm. you know, we had that mid mid range game. I yeah. think Allen Iverson shot it a little bit better. A lot better. <laughs> a lot better. And and Allen Iverson actually took a really, really bad 76ers team, by the way, with Eric Coleman. Uh, if you remember the big man uh, from yes. Philadelphia, he was that probably the, the second best player on a team. He took that team all the way to the finals. Uh, Russell Westbrook played. Uh, let's see. He played with James Harden. Uh, he played with Kevin Durant. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. played with some of the great players. Oh, by the way, he plays with LeBron James, and this guy can't get to the finals and win a finals. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 to me, it, it's I a like huge problem. Oklahoma City. That's why I, oh, I yeah. specifically said Oklahoma yeah. City. Yeah, but even with Oklahoma City, he had Chris Paul on his team, too. And he still couldn't win. Actually, was Chris Paul playing? No, with they him? were swapped. No, that's right. They were swapped. That's yeah. right. I forgot yeah. about that. But yeah, yeah. yeah he, he he had so many good players. He at one point, and they did go to the finals together. They did. But yeah. they couldn't get over the hump against uh, the Miami Heat because they had Ray Allen. They had, uh, obviously, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh in, in hey, their prime. Don't, don't, don't sleep on Eric Snow and uh, Derek McKee, all right? Don't oh, sleep. stop it. <laughs> Daryl, come on. Eric Snow. And, and with the NBA, man, everybody makes it to the Hall of Fame. So I wouldn't be surprised in, like, two or three years we see Eric Snow <laughs> go to the NBA uh, oh, Hall were, of Fame. That, that was a defensive team with Derek McKee and Eric Snow. That Right there, you got two, like, lockdown defenders. You know what I mean? No, and, and I like that you, you, you know a lot about basketball because uh, uh, Eric Coleman doesn't know much about it. I'm just kidding, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking to former Colts and Broncos defensive end and linebacker Daryl Reed. So speaking of great personalities, you played with one in Indianapolis, a quarterback, Peyton Manning. Quite a personality, both on the field and off the field. So yes. what was he like? And do you have a good Peyton Manning story that nobody knows about? Uh, I got so many. I got so many. And, I, and, and nobody tells him like me. Trust me. Mm. People have their Peyton stories. 
But I have, you know, we all have our own personal stories, right? We have our own personal um, things that happen, you know, times, you know, when, when we're out together. Um, and, and maybe we just remember different times and things like that. But I, I don't know if, I, if we got time for two or three of them, but I'll give you two. Real all quick. right, let's hear it. Okay, so the first one, first off, Peyton, let me just tell you a little bit about Peyton. Peyton's super competitive. Um, I think all greats, I've learned, um, all greats are super competitive in and outside of their sports. They're very competitive by nature, and Peyton's, Peyton is super competitive. So um, I remember that when I first got to Indianapolis, remember I was undrafted, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it was my first, my first week, and we're, it's the off-season. We're in the weight room, off-season training, and Peyton comes up to me my first week. He goes, man, it's a pleasure to have you here. I'm like, is he talking to me? I might not be here next week, you know? Like, I'm the last man on the roster. He's like, no, pleasure to have you here. And I'm like thinking in my head, like, I didn't even know what to say. Like, I thanks. Like, what do you say to that, right? The greatest player, like one of the greatest players of all times, obviously the top player on the team comes up and thinks, hey, it's, it's good to have you here. I'm like, what? I, so I just froze. And then I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I'm, I'm lucky to be here with him, you know? But he just understood um, his role as a leader on that team, and he really embraced it. And that's one of the things that made that team great. Um, and and in the weight room, our entire workout program had to be kind of catered around around Peyton. Now, usually, any workout program at that level, quarterbacks are not going to be doing the same exercises as D linemen or linemen or you know different positions because. They don't need that amount of muscle in their body. But Peyton, if if he saw like a D lineman or a lineman doing an exercise that he didn't have on his sheet, he'd go to the to the weight coach, um, <laughs> uh, Coach Terhune, and he'd be like, Coach, how, how come I'm not doing that exercise? You want him to be better than me? You want <laughs> it's like he felt like somebody was getting the edge on him, and, and he wasn't having it at all. So the, the, that that whole weight program was like kind of tailored towards Peyton because he had to be able to do everybody else's exercises. <laughs> you know um, what? You, you, I love watching the Mannings, especially Peyton Manning, because he, he when he was on the football field, he was like a god. He was an artist. But when you watch him put on his helmet, it looked like a – a, a, a schoolboy with a bobblehead, okay? <laughs> he has the biggest head when it comes to watching him with a helmet. I used to – he was fantastic. I, yeah. I I remember watching him play the Jets. Uh, I think it was when the Jets, uh, you know – you know, obviously crawled into the playoffs and then went to the AFC title game, but the Jets had to beat Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And I remember Peyton Manning playing in that game. And I remember him seeing the Jets. You you saw the Jets bringing up the blitz. He called where the blitz were coming from. And then he obviously audibled it at the line of scrimmage. And he, he completely switched the running, running play to the other side of the field and completely tricked the Jets. And that's how, that's how amazing Peyton Manning was. He, He was, he was phenomenal reading things at the line of scrimmage. Probably the best. And remember, Omaha, Omaha. And that's, yeah. then Eli took it from him after he retired. Which nobody knows what it actually means. But I'm going to tell you, now that he's retired, I can reveal the secret, okay? The uh, Omaha yeah. secret right here tonight, right now, <laughs> on, on Loud Mouths, all right? I'm going to tell you all the Omaha secret, okay? 
And then I'm going to segue into my next two Peyton stories. Okay, awesome. Right. You segued right into it. So Omaha, really quick, though, Omaha really meant opposite. So I was fortunate enough, even though I was a defensive lineman, we didn't carry a fullback because we carried extra wide receivers, okay? <laughs> and then our punter was also our backup kicker. So we always carried extra wide receivers and tight ends, right? That was our team. And so – I would go in at fullback on short yardage and goal line. So I was privy to be in the huddle with Peyton. So I know exactly how the play call works. And what happened is in the huddle, he calls two plays. Okay. Off top, he has two plays. And then there could be 15 checks off of those plays. Oh my God. It's so many checks. I mean, depending on what he says, you might, you might be in an I formation. You might spread out into, into like, uh, empty formation. Mm. Like, so you you have two calls, though. And then you have Omaha, which is the opposite of those calls. Wow. So Omaha used to mean opposite. So then what happened is the the other teams got used to hearing it, and they knew it was opposite. Mm-hmm. So then he just was using it as part of his cadence. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. And really, Omaha really became when he would snap the ball. If you notice, he'd say, Omaha, Omaha, set, go. That's actually when they would sit, when they would snap it. He never said Omaha and then went into another check. Mm. Interesting. So it became actually the snap count. Mm. That's, that's, it, I didn't know that. I yes, didn't know that. But at first it meant opposite. The O in Omaha was opposite. Mm. Yeah, true story. True story. So now, now I'm gonna get into my next Peyton story because you talked about how he saw the blitz. Okay. Uh huh. Every year in the preseason, we used to play Cincinnati in the last preseason game. Okay. Hmm. And we used to drive to Cincinnati. It was like an hour and a half drive from Indianapolis, right? So Peyton, this was my maybe my second year. Okay. Peyton was only gonna play one series. Okay. <laughs> And let me explain to you what that is. Three plays and you're coming off the field. I don't care if you get a first down. I don't care if it's three and out. You're getting three plays, three plays, and that's it, Peyton. You're not even getting a full drive. We're bringing Jim Sorge in, and it's over. You're after you're, 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 But Peyton, all the rest of the starters are sitting the entire game. They're not even suited up. But Peyton didn't like to not play. He didn't like to not practice. That's the kind of player he is. He's super competitive. So – we're driving to Cincinnati, and then he's going to play three plays, I remind you. Three plays. We're driving to Cincinnati, <laughs> and the entire bus ride, Peyton is watching film of Cincinnati's defense. I'm like, this dude is going to play three plays. <laughs> Why is he watching? Every, you know, guys are playing cards, you know, listening to music, you know, whatever, whatever, telling jokes, and he's watching film. He's probably the only one on there watching film, right? I mean – Back in back in those days, you didn't. You, everybody couldn't didn't have access to film like that anyway. Right. At least mobily, right? So I go up to him. I say, Peyton, you're you're only going to play three plays. Why are you watching film? He said, For those three plays that I'm in, I want to know exactly what they're doing. Hmm. And that's how he approached the game. If he approached that game that he was only going to play three plays like that, how did he approach all of the other games? How much film was he watching hmm. at home? Before practice, after practice, staying late, he he's a film junkie, and he has, and he also has a photographic memory. So, 
Peyton can remember every single play from every single game since he was in high school. Wow. Oh. It, seems, it sounds like we need a Peyton Manning versus Sean McVay trivia competition because Sean McVay <laughs> wants to do that too. <laughs> yeah, so that that's that's um, a couple – I've got one last story for Go ahead, you. tell us it. So we're ending uh, training camp one year. I want to say this is like my third year, after my third year. Um, so we're ending training camp, and all the guys are hanging out. Um, we go to a local bar, and we're all hanging out, and, you know, there's a chugging contest, right? Oh, God. And <laughs> there's a chugging contest, and I don't know if you guys have ever been in chugging contests or seen somebody who's, like, throat is it, it, it just <laughs> – it's just like open. It just goes straight down. Like, they, you know, they, they tip their cup up and the beer is gone. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, there was somebody there that could do that. I don't even think he ended up making the team. So, you know, it's like, okay, round one, this guy just kills everybody. Right. Round two kills everybody. Round three, he's killing everybody. And Peyton after every round is like, Give me one more round. I'm going to beat this guy. And he's like spilling beer all over himself trying to beat him. He can't, he, he can't stand it. He doesn't have a chance. He doesn't have a chance to beat this guy. But he's so competitive that he's going to keep challenging him over and over again. My, he probably was drunk by the time that was over. <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine how how Peyton Manning was when he was drunk. Okay? I, I, I couldn't imagine it. Probably when he won the Super Bowl – you know, he won two Super Bowls. He's been to quite a few of them. Uh, I don't think he wants to remember the one at MetLife. But uh, I, Peyton Manning, I, I've heard a lot of stories about him. We've had a lot of people that have played with him and said that he was so very competitive. Him and Tom Brady were two of the most competitive people you'll ever meet. And that's why they respect each other so much. And even in that golf tournament with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, I they were competitive. And, and, and Peyton wanted to win, and he was always about winning. And uh, that was the difference between him and Eli. Eli, it it, it looked like every time he was on the field, he didn't want to win, but in the big game, he found a way to win. You know, and those, that's the Manning family. I, I just think it's it's their, uh, I, I guess it's their bloodline, uh, who their father is, and the competitive people that they are. And I am looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, obviously uh, Mr. Cooper, uh, obviously step on the yes. football field yes. and, and show us. Yeah, I heard he's better than his his uncles. He's better than yes, both of them. They, that's what they say. We we got to see it. I, I, I'm going to tell you one. This one's going to be super quick. Peyton drunk. It was me one night. We were leaving um, St. Elmo's, the famous steakhouse in Indianapolis, okay? It's me, Reggie Wayne, and Peyton, okay? It's just the three of us. I don't know how I ended up with these two guys, but I'm hanging with the big dogs, right? So we go to, like, this hole-in-the-wall bar. I don't know. They must – Peyton must have knew the bar because, like, nobody bothered him in there. He knew where he could go and just be, you know, like, low. Himself, Yes. And it was karaoke night. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so now, for the first time, I knew who Johnny Cash was that night. Mm. You, you play some ca- Johnny Cash? That's that's Peyton. That's Peyton. Drew. Oh, God. If I ever <laughs> heard Peyton Manning sing Johnny Cash, I'm running out of the bar. Okay? Yeah. I don't like Johnny Cash as it is. Uh, okay? <laughs> to listen to Peyton Manning sing Drunk. I'd be Listen, out of that so, bar. So, so you're I, saying I'm if, sure that's one of his go-to's. If it's karaoke night, 
He's going to Johnny Cash. I, Mark, I, I, I bet anything on it. He's going to Johnny. You know Cash. what? When I have the opportunity to interview Peyton Manning, I'm going to call. I'm going to hold you up on that, and I'm going to bring it up to him. It's like there's somebody that's been on our show, Mr. Manning, and said that you were drunk one night and you were singing a particular track. Is it true? That those is that artist that your number one go to artist if you were singing karaoke when you're drunk, and I I, I guarantee you you're probably right. I, I think he is a Johnny Cash. So right? you're saying if you got the opportunity to DJ for a party with Peyton Manning, you wouldn't play him Johnny Cash? Oh my God, I would throw up. <laughs> I, I I would slip Johnny Cash in there sometime <laughs> during the night. You know, you know. I've, I'm a I've DJ, Daryl. I am a DJ on the side. And okay. every time somebody comes up to me at an event and tells me to spin and mix Johnny Cash or Jackson, my father was a big Jackson Brown fan because my father yeah. actually really sang on stage with Johnny Cash. He was wow. a he was a lead singer of a band, and he has pictures of him and actually sang with Johnny Cash. Uh, and my father always thought Johnny Cash and Jackson Brown were gods. I never liked Bob Dylan, one of the greatest songwriters of all time. One of the worst voices you'll ever hear. Johnny Cash made me want to, you know, want to put like ear earbuds in my ear when I heard him sing. And and Jackson Brown, he grew on me because every single time we were driving to Florida, my father would sing, uh, you know, Doctor My Eyes or something like that, and I'd be like, Oh my God, that song is embedded into my brain. I want to, my right. brain right. wants you know to burst. Word now. You know every word. Oh my God, we. My father passed away. May he rest in peace. And on his on his stone, uh, we 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 put a whole Jackson Brown verse on his stone. Wow. So uh, my father loved Jackson Brown, absolutely loved him, adored him. And, uh, you know, it, it's great because music really changed my life and music changes a lot of people's lives. And you get to really know somebody when you hear what kind of music they like to listen to. So, For sure. Yeah. For sure. Daryl, we really appreciate you, man. And I would love to get you on again, man. No, for sure. For sure. Thanks for having me. And, um, you know, anytime you guys want to have me back on, I'd, I'd love to come back on and, uh, Talk some Johnny Cash, Peyton, and <laughs> Josh, Josh Daniels, and you know we we can talk about a lot of things. You know we got a lot of subjects we can go over. Absolutely, you're a fantastic don't person. Worry, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll play Johnny Cash out of the break. Oh please don't! <laughs> oh my God, could you imagine Peyton Manning and his bobbled head? You know, coming in when we were playing Johnny Cash. I mean, he'd be like, oh, man, this is good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) He'd be like, yeah, this is the place to be right here. Yeah, You know what? You'd get him real comfortable early. You know, you know, sometimes you got to get a get a guy comfortable. He'd get comfortable early if he had he heard that Johnny Cash. I'm sure he would. Okay, And as he gets comfortable, I'm wearing my earbuds, not listening. (laughs) Daryl, if if we ever uh, we ever. If you ever get the video fixed, I know, I know you said your camera was busted, but if you ever get the video fixed, you could get a Peyton Manning bobblehead, and maybe I'll do a little uh, twenty-second tip. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I love Peyton Manning. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. But it always was funny when I saw him at the line of scrimmage, and he's ducking down, you know, ready to call uh, right behind Jeff Saturday, and you see his head pop up, and I'm like, "There's the bobblehead." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I always said after he had that neck surgery, I was like, "How the hell does his head hold up on that neck?" 
<laughs> I love Peyton, man. Uh, By the man. way, one of the funniest people, Saturday Night Live, that that uh, what, that skid with the kids when he was playing like uh, football with those kids, one no, of the he, funniest kids I've ever no, seen. And, and, and he's, he's super witty. Hmm. He's super witty. He's like super quick. He's super quick with it. You know, you, you'd think he was from the East Coast. You know what I mean? Like he's super quick, you know, and uh, he's a storyteller. But he's super quick and super witty and, and and really, really good guys. You know, really good to hang out, like, you know, hang out with, with the guys and stuff like that. He's he's great for stuff like that. Well, you're a great guy, and I would love to hang out with you. Whenever you come back to Long Island, New York, uh, we'll hit you up. Uh, my, my producer probably has all your information. Let's stay in touch, my friend. For sure, for sure. Appreciate you having me. As everybody knows, we were talking to Colts, ex-Colt, ex-Bronco, defensive end, and linebacker, Daryl Reed, fantastic guy, oh, yeah. great personality too, and he knows his stuff. and And the Peyton Manning story is fantastic. So now, all the listeners out there, they know the origin of Omaha. Omaha, Omaha. I I used to think he was going for breakfast when he said Omaha. You know, hmm. you know, a like, oh, breakfast, brunch, dinner. Oh, I'm just kidding. Anyways, Daryl Reed, fantastic. Mm-hmm. He was, he was, he was yes. fantastic. But uh, why don't we go to a quick break? When we come back, we'll get more into some football. And uh, Carlos Correa, yes, ladies and gentlemen, has spoken and speaking out as he wants the Mets to hear that he will not take a pay cut or take, uh, you know, obviously a year cut of money uh, if the Mets decide to resign him as a New York Mets. So when we come back, we'll get into Carlos Correa, some of the baseball conversation. LeBron James expresses uncertainty of uh, his long stay at, uh, you know, with the Lakers and where he plans to go at the end of the season. When we come back, we'll get into that here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouth. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. Check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. We are a few days away from the new year. 2022 will be over. 2023 will be here. And uh, I'll be... uh, an old man this year again. I mean, it just seems like every single year I say that, and every single year goes yeah, by. And every everybody younger than you is automatically a baby. They are. Everybody's a baby. I mean, I mean even when Josh sits here, and I remember, oh, yeah. and Josh Silverberg, um, and he is over there. I don't know if he's listening to the show right now. But he popped in the comment section for a little. I don't know if he's still there. But. So Josh always calls himself a baby. Okay, even I don't call him a baby. He calls himself a baby. He's 30, 31 years old. He says, well, I'm a baby. And I'm like, dude, you have a baby. So (laughs) how much are you a baby? You know, so he he loves to call himself a baby. I never call him a baby. You, Speedy, I'll call you a baby all the time. I know. But he just before I could even call him a baby, he likes to call himself a baby. Listen, Josh, you're no longer, uh, you know, a spring chicken. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about that. Anyways, uh, Carlos Correa. I have been speaking and I have spoken about this week in and week out 
ever since the Giants decided to sign him. Then the Giants started decided to part ways with him. They didn't want to sign him because something was going on with his, uh, his health. Nothing has come out. We haven't heard anything on what has shown up in his physical. Nothing. Some people say it was uh, uh, an incident when he was 19 years old with his foot. People are saying it could be his hip, his shoulder, his neck. What is it? What is it that all these teams are afraid of signing this guy? This guy is in the prime of his career. He's 26, 27 years old when the season starts. He's one of the best defensive shortstops in all of baseball. He's a career 275, 280 hitter. Last year he hit over 290. He'll give you 25 to 30 home runs every single year at the shortstop position. Now at third base, he'll give you somewhere around 30. He'll give you close to 100 RBIs. What is it that nobody wants to give him that 10, 12-year, $315 million contract? Now, obviously, Carlos Correa is a great player. Do I think he's worth $300 million? No. Now, what the Mets offered him, the $315 million for 12 years, worth about $27 a year, it's a fair contract. And the reason why he likes the contract is because it's 12 years. And that's guaranteed for 12 years. No matter what happens to his knee, his ankle, his foot, his shoulder, his ass. It doesn't matter. That money is guaranteed. So... I know the Mets organization, and Uncle Stevie doesn't care about money. He never did. That's why he he jumped right on Carlos Correa when he became available. Even though there were stories coming out of San Francisco that his physical was bad. And that's why they decided not to sign him. Yeah, it was even that day, too. The Giants came out with a physical like that, like at noon that day. And the Mets signed him, I think, like 20 hours later or something like that. Less than that. I think it was 14 hours okay, later. fair enough. Still. And now all of a sudden the Mets are worried about signing him? If you were worried about signing him, why did you jump into this deal as quick as you did? Mm-hmm. Because, what, you didn't think the Giants' doctors were good, as good as yours? Listen, the Mets' <laughs> doctors have been some of the worst doctors in Major League history. In any They're horrible. History. <laughs> They're horrible. Oh, my God. They don't know how to keep any of their players healthy. He ask Max Scherzer. He the guy has been healthy practically his whole career. He, what was it? A couple. It was a couple of weeks when he played for the Nationals. Yeah. But he played pretty much his whole time, his whole stint over there in 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 Washington. Even with Detroit, he was a hundred percent healthy. Right. No significant injuries. He goes to the Mets. He has a lat problem. Not once, not twice, but three times last year. Lindor was never hurt with Cleveland when he was there. He goes to the Mets. He's had a DL stint each year with the Mets. So Every far. single player. Ironically, except for Wilson Ramos, who was injury prone in Washington, yet he came to the Mets and stayed healthy, weirdly enough. That's the only one. Every single, even Escobar. He, I know. Yeah. He got hurt this year. Uh-huh. He wasn't 100% healthy. Every single player. Marte wasn't 100% healthy. Uh-huh. They bring these players in, and they never stay healthy. None of them. Absolutely zilch. 
Now you're bringing in old man Verlander. Yes, his numbers were fantastic. Yes, he won the Cy Young in the American League. He was playing for one of the best pitching staffs in baseball. He was the number one guy and arguably the best pitching staff in baseball. So we sit here today and we look at Carlos Correa. I think Carlos Correa is a phenomenal player. I do. And I think the Mets will get this done. The question is, what are the stipulations in the contract that make sense for the Mets and make sense for Correa? Correa already said he's not taking less than 12 years. Correa already said he's not taking a pay cut. So what do the Mets do that Carlos Correa and his management team and his agent could meet halfway and say, okay, I, I think this is a fair deal. And I've come to the conclusion, if Carlos Correa could play four to five strong seasons with over 125 games, no matter what, if he could play in 125 games or more in the next five seasons, no matter what happens in his 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, or 12th year, the contract is valid no matter what. I think that would be fair. Five years, because in five years, the Mets already plan. You know, obviously, we've heard Uncle Stevie say that it, there's a five-year you know, range window. Where, you know, window where he believes the Mets need to win a World Series. So in it, it's ready year two, year three. Yep. It's year three this year. They have five years with Correa to win that championship. It makes a lot of sense. Now, the, what's interesting about those stipulations is which way do you go when it comes to his agent and which way do you go when it comes to what actually makes sense for the team? Because, yes, maybe you can come down on the average annual value if you still want to give the 12 years. But, again, the average annual value was already pretty good to begin with. So I don't know if Correa is going to want to take that. I think that, that's where you that's where I was discussing yesterday. That gets those middle market contenders back involved again if – Carlos Correa is going to ask these kinds of things out of the Mets. And, yes, Steve, Steve Cohen doesn't really care about his he money. He doesn't. So, again, he, he might still do it anyway. He still might cave in and give Correa even maybe slightly less if he still wants to get the 12 years. Now, again, from the year standpoint, you're definitely He's not gonna, taking less. He already said that. Yeah. If from the year standpoint, you're definitely going to have to boost it to a 30 average annual value, which is what I did not want at the start of the offseason when the Mets were one of the favorites at the time when the, uh, the winter meeting started to get Carlos Correa. And that was what I was worried about. So I'm hoping they don't go that route because they have a lot of other players to re-sign still that are Pete, between Pete Alonso and McNeil and some of the other young guys that they have to re-sign still. And if they, ha- if they have to do that, they might have to trade some other pieces too, which I don't know if I necessarily like. So it's weird the way the Mets are doing this and the way Carlos Correa is handling it. It doesn't seem likely that he's going to go back at this rate unless, again, Steve Cohen just sticks with the original contract. But even that doesn't seem likely at this point. Where the Mets are at, they need Carlos Correa. This offseason was a failure for them. They lost Jacob DeGrom, their best pitcher. I don't care what any Met fan says. He was their best pitcher. Maybe he wasn't healthy for the last couple of years. Maybe so. He was the face of the organization. He is now with the Texas Rangers. So he's no longer on this roster. So they, they brought in Justin Verlander. They jumped on Justin Verlander. Great. If that makes them happy, if that belie- they believe Justin Verlander is a better pitcher than Jacob DeGrom, then you guys are blind. You're a blind organization. Because Jacob DeGrom is, what, 33 years old? Yeah, 34 years old? 34, yeah. he, is, he still has five or six years on Max Scherzer and Verlander. So... I don't know if they're going if he's going to win in Texas, 
but he's still a better pitcher than Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. Now, could they win with Justin Verlander? Could they win with Max Scherzer? Well, yes. They have a senior senior citizen pitching staff. No question that they do. They added Katana, I, another old pitcher. Uh, they added Sagan, whatever his name is. Senga. Senga, whatever. Who's the youngest For, pitcher on the team at 29. 29 years old. You have a 29-year-old rookie. Okay? So, I, I know Mets fans are are very excited about Carlos Correa, and they should be. Carlos Correa is one of the elite players in the league. He is. If you were to tell me where I would say Carlos Correa is when it comes to the top 12, top 13 players in the league, I would say he's 10 or 11. Okay. Okay? He's right there. I think he's a better all-around player than Lindor. Okay? So, and he's getting less money than Lindor. He's getting more years, less money. Right. But I, I I do believe that if you add Carlos Correa to this team, yeah, you're going to be a favorite to come out of the National League, even though you're still in a very good division against two really good opponents in Philadelphia that got stronger in the offseason, and the Braves, who got worse. They lost their star shortstop, but they still have one of the best farm systems in baseball. And they still have one of the best baseball systems in terms of being able to adjust to the modern identity, too. Something the Mets haven't done yet, to an extent. No, the they Phil- don't have a farm system. The They're Phil- trading away pieces every single year. The Phillies did it last year for the first time after they were trying to be a lot like the Mets and just try to get a lot of stars all at once. And they realized, all right, we have a lot of star power, but what happens if one or two guys get hurt? Then all of a sudden they had nothing. And that's why had, the Phillies had all those losing seasons in a row, too, even with Bryce Harper until this year when they went to the World Series. And I'm worried the Mets are on that kind of approach right now where they really don't have a legitimate backup plan. Yeah, they have depth with their offense. I'm not as worried about their offense. That's why if Correa, they don't get it done, I'm not as mad about it. It depends on what they do with their, all their money, obviously, but I wouldn't be as mad about it because I, I'm not as worried about their offense, but the pitching depth, because of those two guys being older, really concerns me because Max Scherzer, the way they handled it wasn't good and Jacob DeGrom filled in a little bit, but again, then Jacob He was DeGrom- horrible. Max Scherzer was horrible in the playoffs. He was horrible at the end of the season. And I don't know what Met fans think that he's going to be this year. He'll start off strong like he always is. And, and by the way, congratulations to Max Scherzer to the, uh, to the, the birth of one, uh, a new child. So mm-hmm. uh, congratulations to Max Scherzer. Uh, I saw him post that up. Uh, to the Scherzer family, well-deserved. And I like Max. He, he's, he's a very well-respectable player throughout the league. Everybody respects him. Uh, he's a dynamic pitcher over the years. He's a Hall of Famer. So is Verlander. Of course. But these guys are not spring chickens anymore. These guys are in their th- late 30s, 40s. Okay? So how many years do they have left? And yes, they're, they're short contracts. And, and Met fans think, oh, we got them on short co- contracts. What do you have in your farm system? One. Okay. Number two, are you going to go open up your pockets again when these two pitchers become free agents and they're, they're no good anymore to you? What are you going to do then? Mm-hmm. You're going to overspend and spend $350, $400 million for Otani or whatever. He's going he's gonna to be asking for five hundred. Yeah. I mean, are you going to pay Otani $500 million? To bring him to your team, I, I it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and they I, did it just, twice. Like, why? I, I mean, I was I was all right with the Scherzer experiment, but again, now doing with Verlander too. Like, you're doing the same approach, and again, you just saw how it worked. It's like doing the same thing twice in a row and hoping it works again. I just don't know if it's sustainable. It's not sustainable, and I, I understand what Cohen 
is doing. He's opening up his pockets, and no owner should be complaining about him. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. It, you ha- Every owner has the money. Maybe don't have Steve Cohen money, but they're billionaires. And if they want a player and they want to overpay a player to come and play for your organization to help you win, so be it. Stop complaining. If you, if you cared so much, then find a way to do what the NFL has done over the years and do what the NHL has figured out to do. Give them a cap. If you're not going to do that, I don't want to hear. He's paying the luxury tax. He doesn't care. $110, $115 million over the tax, and it's good spent money to him. You know why? Because he made $2 billion last year. What does he care about that money? The man's making money. It grows on trees. The guy's a hedge fund guy. So what does he care about uh, a billion dollars? He's lost a billion dollars in a, in a week, I think, last year. I could believe that. He did. Uh, he, he he invested some money into, uh, what was it, uh, AMC or something like that? He uh, did something. He lost a lot of money. And then he gained it back at the end of the year when I, I heard he he made like $1.8 billion in, in three or four months. I mean, do you think he really cares no, about the one, care. one, about $1.4 million he spent in two years? He doesn't care. He'll spend another billion if it helps him win a championship. George Steinbrenner was like that, too. It didn't work with the Yankees. It worked one year, and that was after George Steinbrenner in 2009. George Steinbrenner paid for Jason Giambi. He paid for Johnny Damon. He paid for all Johnny Damon finally helped produce a championship in 2009 when he was on his way out. They brought Carl Provano in. Remember that? Yep. What a bust. Kevin Brown, remember him? Yeah. I could go on and on. Javier Vasquez. I liked Javier Vasquez, too, with the Braves. He stunk for the Yankees. Not with the Yankees, yeah. Every single player that George Steinbrenner opened up his pockets for, it didn't work. It didn't. Does it work for the Mets? I don't know. It's a different game now. It's a different league. It's a different world. So maybe Steve Cohen learns from his mistakes in the next year or two and say, you know what, we got to build up the farm system, which they're trying to do, which they're ranked 11th right now in all of baseball. They're moving on up to the east side, baby. That's mostly hitting. They need pitching. Well, we're moving on up to the east side. When we come back, our east guy, our Jets guy, and I can't wait to get him on. I haven't heard from him in a long time. He doesn't follow me on Twitter. Shame, shame, shame on him. Uh, We will be talking to heavy sports Jets digital reporter Paul Estin Jr. here on the Sports Lineouts. You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Six three one six seven two. 3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loud Mouth. I'm your host, Big Daddy, Errol Marks, and my co-host, Little Boy Peep, who lost his sheep, Speedy Petey. Go check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Go check out all our shows from the Buffalo Bills show, the Jets show, the Bengals show, the betting show, the Sports Loud Mouths, the Ryan Hickey show. All over the country. One of the first digital radio shows in the country. So thank you to all the fans that tune in to us every single year. It is the final show of 2022. We're moving on up to 2023, as we always do. And why not bring in a Jets guy? Yes, 
We are now talking to Heavy Sports Jets digital reporter Paul Estin Jr. Clap, Speedy. Clap. Speedy, don't clap. It's horrible. Wow, beautiful. Uh, yeah, wow. It's, it's horrible. Thank we you. should have had a rousing, gener- uh, rousing ovation. Yeah, we yeah. should have had a generating, you know, cheer. For for you, yeah. Paul. I mean, I'm not going to cheer for you. That. I'm I'm upset at you, man. You're not following me on Twitter. It's been I, I very upsetting. I'm not getting a follow on worldwide sports radio. You know what? I am going to follow you after the speedy. Yeah. You're going to follow him at the end of the Please show. Do. And and I want you to follow me uh, at Errol Marks 34. I am oh, a fan of yours. Okay, yeah, sure man. You should be following me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. You got to be yeah. generous. You know, that's I, true. Yes, and, and it is that holiday season. You uh, are right. You yes, are right. it is the holiday, holiday season. And boy, oh boy, the Jets have made me have a holiday agita. So, uh, but <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, before we get into the Jets, how are you doing? We haven't spoken to you in about a year. Uh, I mean, how are your wow. family doing? How, how is how was your Christmas? How was your holidays? How was your Hanukkah? How's your Kwanzaa? How was your mm. holidays? Well, yes, I miss both of you dearly. So I appreciate uh, finally getting an invite a year later. Uh, thank you so much That's uh, for his considering fault. me. During, it was four months. But he's wrong anyway. Yeah. So it's his yeah, fault. There you go. I, I, I love you guys blaming each other. That's beautiful. <laughs> it's that's, four uh, months. That's, I that's approve. Don't year. worry. <laughs> That's uh, that's the time of year we're at. Uh, very nice. Uh, my uh, daughter is going to be. She turned eleven months on Christmas. Congratulations! Be one, January twenty fifth. Thank you very much. So uh, my first and only child so far. So that's uh, that's been spectacular. And uh, and then in terms of the jet stuff, I mean, obviously, it's been kind of a wild ride. It's been good to see them with games actually mattering. Normally, if you'd bring me on this time of year, we're talking about tanking and draft position and this or that. So do not. Uh, be having that conversation it's a legitimate playoff conversation not just Jets playing spoiler like the Jets actually you know they have a path to the playoffs that's really cool so uh, this has been a crazy roller coaster season with multiple quarterback changes injuries all over the barnyard but uh, it's been a lot of fun so it's uh, certainly been exciting is it a green barn it is. It is a gang green barn. If we're going to be specific on color code, it because will be a gang green barn. I remember yes. when Sam Darnold was here, they they said that he couldn't hit a back uh, back side of the barn. So, or yeah, Christian I, Hackenberg, or Christian yeah. Hackenberg no, was Christian another one. Christian Hackenberg couldn't hit a barn. He just hit a reporter. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I do remember that. I do so, remember that. Yeah, so... Zach Wilson couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. <laughs> but yes, we have a lot of those going on. Yeah. No. Well, uh, I think the Jets are. Questioning why they drafted Zach Wilson when they had Sam Donald. Looks pretty good in Carolina. He's developing. They didn't give him any wide receivers. Now you have Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore. And when Corey Davis actually stays on the field, you have him. You have a ton of running backs that can make plays. You have tight ends. You actually have a a pretty good offense, even though your offensive corner doesn't know a a hole in his underwear. I don't know what the heck is going on with him. But uh, his press conferences don't sell to me that he knows what he's doing. But why don't we get into Zach Wilson? What is going sure. on with this kid? I, I mean, obviously, he 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 looked good in you know in certain games. I mean, against the Buffalo Bills when they won twenty to seventeen, he looked good in the game. I uh, I know yeah. his numbers didn't really pop out at you, but nineteen for twenty five over a hundred, I think one hundred and sixty, one hundred and seventy yards. Uh, mm-hmm. he threw a touchdown. He ran a touchdown in. He, he looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, yep. everything started falling apart after the New England game when, when obviously, Franklin Myers made a mistake and the pick mm-hmm. six didn't work and and everything just fell apart for them. What is going on with this kid? Is this kid just not ready for the NFL? Is this kid just not a good football player? Man, 
There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I will say, yeah, in the Buffalo game where he even gets made fun of for that game, I don't understand 73% completion percentage, and, and again, they won the game. Again, he wasn't Patrick Mahomes going for four or 500 yards, but they got the win, and that was their, was and is their biggest win of the season, beating the Buffalo Bills, the number one Super Bowl favorite heading into the year and all that jazz. So, yeah, he's had moments this year. The first Patriots game, he had 355 passing yards. That was a career high. Mm-hmm. Uh, Detroit, he had a 300-yard passing game and a lot of wow splash plays, mm-hmm. you know, averaging t- like 20 yards a chunk. He had the 50-yard bomb to Jeff Smith, 40-yard bomb to C.J. Uzama, another 33-yard bomb to Garrett Wilson. So he, he's had moments. But to me, you know, in the simplest sense, it's hard to point to one thing here or there, but it's, I I think it's the moment. I think it's the fans. I think it's the media market. I think it's getting in his own head. And I think the, the Mike white factor looking over your shoulder and knowing that last year he was able to pop, which is kind of weird to say for a guy that's come out of nowhere, (laughs) but it's really a convolution, you know, of events for Zach Wilson, where he's just kind of folded. So I, I think really what he needs is, and, I don't think he's going to get that opportunity in New York anymore because I think for one reason or another, the Jets are going to be super aggressive at the quarterback position this offseason. Is that Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, whatever random name you want to throw out there, like they're going to investigate every major option. I'd be surprised if they didn't come away with one of those. And if they come up, if they came away with any of those names I just mentioned, then obviously Zach Wilson will be cryogenically frozen on the bench. So, probably what will be best is a trade this offseason to some team. And I, I think there are a lot of teams that make sense in a lot of different fashions. Uh, but ultimately, I think he gets dealt, which is kind of stunning. Mm. You have uh, two quarterbacks back-to-back. Sam Darnold was the third overall pick. Zach Wilson, the second overall pick. And we're still talking quarterback questions here in 2022. So it's a bummer. But, yeah, I just think Zach Wilson's been rocked by the media. He's been rocked by making mistakes, afraid to make mistakes. And I think he just got into his own head. And now I think he's just so wound up to turn it that way that he can't complete simple passes because he's just, it's just, again, information overload. But I don't think, I think he is a good, hmm, let me, let me, whoop, take that back. I think he's a very talented football player that has had moments, but nowhere near enough to, you know, establish himself as a starting quarterback. So he needs, as the Jets have continued to call it, a complete reset. And I think he will get that opportunity via trade. So what do you think the value will end up being looking like for Zach Wilson? Because there was a report today that it might be less than expected. A lot of coaches don't like the way he he goes about in terms of his routine at the quarterback position, his leadership, stuff like that. So do you think that's the biggest reason for it? And what do you think the value will be this offseason? That is an excellent question. And really, depending on who you ask, you keep getting different answers. I've heard some people say, like, you'd be lucky to get, like, a seventh or sixth round pick. They used, wow. like, Blaine Gabbert as part of that package. <laughs> to me, I completely disagree with I that narrative. With but, but people pointed at that as, like, when Blaine, Gla- when Blaine Gabbert imploded and then they gave up on him and moved on. But there have been other examples recently. Josh Rosen, a year after, was traded for a second plus. I think it ended up being a two and a five. Two so and five, yeah. there, there was all kinds of examples that you can point to. To me, I think the thing that will help, and Sam Darnold obviously was just traded uh, with for a two, four, and a six. The difference between Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson, and we will see what is more valued. Sam Darnold had three years in the books when he was traded for a two, four, and a six. So you can argue that he showed more than Zach Wilson has, but he also had more time. I think what's going to be more attractive, though, is the fact that 
you know, you're going to have an extra year of rookie control with Zach Wilson only playing two years, having that third and fourth year. And then the decision for a fifth year option after that, I think will be highly attractive to a team. So I still anticipate that the jets get value and Joe Douglas has actually made a history of getting more value than people think. So I think it's somewhere in that ballpark, to be honest with you, a two, four, five, uh, you know, uh, a three, four, five. Like I think they get, relative again they used a number two overall pick so you're not getting that but relatively speaking i think they get a fair enough package and again since they're going to go in some other direction zach wilson's the only quarterback under contract for next year they're going you know a two four five a a three four five that's better than nothing that's better to grab those and help build around whatever uh, veteran quarterback you choose this offseason so i think they do pull the trigger and i believe that's going to be the package we are talking to heavy sports jets digital reporter paul Aston jr and and a lot of people, a lot of talk, uh, and you know, talk of the town with the New York Jets is Zach Wilson. But this team right now is is a seven win team. They have a chance if they win out in the next two weeks in Seattle and in Miami, and the Patriots lose a game, they can actually make the playoffs. Now, Mike White is not the answer. I don't know why any Jet fan believes that he is. He's not, and I, it stop with this. This guy has been waived five times with the Jets, and he's been back. And that and the Jet fans like him. And the, and the players love him for some reason, maybe because he's not Zach Wilson. But nevertheless, he is not the answer. He's not going to win the Super Bowl with the New York Jets. He's not Nick Foles. He's not. So stop it. But uh, he is definitely a quarterback that can make every single throw and, and maybe knock off a Geno Smith and uh, uh, really uh, not a surging Seattle team for some reason. They, they started off strong and have fallen apart. And then Miami have been absolutely horrendous the last couple of weeks. I mean, the Jets have a chance to knock off two teams that are trying to figure things out. So what are your thoughts to the next two weeks, where the Jets are at? Is Mike White 100%? Well, obviously he's not. But is he healthy enough to get this team uh, with a couple of Ws? Yeah, let's go through a couple of things. First off, you're right. Both teams the Jets have to beat are slumping. The The Seahawks, or we'll, we'll go with the Dolphins first. I know they're the last game that they play. Uh, the Dolphins have lost four in a row. The Seahawks have lost five of six. Both teams are slumping. Now, the Jets in their own right are slumping. They've lost four in a row in six of their last eight. But in terms of competition and who you have to beat, I mean, despite everything that the Jets have, like, blown, the two Patriot games, the Vikings game, the Lions game, the Jaguars game, the other Bills game, like, we could point to a bunch of games that they lost either by one score or just kind of blew it, like the Thursday night game, where they could have, should have, would have won. And obviously, they would have already punched their ticket into the playoffs in that scenario. The good thing is you could kind of throw all that crap out because they control their own destiny within reason. Because if... You know, you have to win your two, and all you need is New England to lose one of their two. I think New England could lose both games. I get two has already been ruled out, but Teddy Bridgewater doesn't throw a lot of turnover. So all of a sudden you reduce that in the offense. I think that's fine. Again, the Dolphins' defense is questionable, but they're sure as hell not beating Buffalo, who has every right to play for the number one seed uh, in the AFC, unless Kansas City loses this weekend, which I don't anticipate to Denver. So the Bills are going to have something to play for, and New England ain't beating them. We saw what happened in that primetime game earlier this year between those two two teams so basically the Jets control their own destiny so for me I think the Jets have every opportunity here and I think the while you know Mike White apparently a very polarizing topic on the sports loudmouth show is uh, I would (laughs) simply say this for Mike White he's clearly the best option for this team he can Mm -hmm. clearly move the football now I think you know 
the Jet fans who think he's Jesus and then the other Jet fans who think he's like the worst thing since sliced bread. I think the truth, as it is in most cases, is somewhere in between. The yardage numbers have been impressive. The touchdown percentages haven't been. So he, Mike White and the starting record, if you want to go in that uh, realm, wins quarterback stat and all that jazz. But uh, it's about scoring touchdowns. They have not done that in those Mike White starts. The Vikings game one touchdown the bills game one touchdown combined in those two games like that's not enough uh to win ball games so they have to change that but fortunately they play two really crappy defenses two crappy teams so everything is in front of the jets uh from that perspective and then to answer the last part of your question mike white obviously is not 100 percent. he has uh, depending on which person you talk to multiple fractured ribs slash broken ribs on both sides of his body. Mm. And the good news is that he was cleared by both his own doctors and the Jets team doctors this week. So it's not, it wasn't, Hey, he got an outside doctor. They approved him, but the Jets didn't. And it's questionable. The offensive line of course has to protect him. They've been playing very poorly, but both doctors cleared him. So he should be good to go. He will wear an extra flak jacket. That's part of what he called the quote unquote arts and crafts that the uh, Mm -hmm. Jets medical staff is doing to try to put something together to cobble his carcass onto uh, the, you know, the field this weekend, but uh, he should be good enough to go as long as the Jets continue to uh, protect him from that standpoint. So the other end of the offense that has been great has been the running game recently. They trade for James Robinson, and he had one good game against the Bills, but really hasn't done much. They Zonovan Knight had a couple flashes, which was good, but still, again, not consistent enough. So are you surprised this Jets run game has not been the same way, especially with the scheme? And what do you think are the best ways to attack both the Seahawks and the Dolphins with that running game to take some pressure off? Yeah, they've completely imploded. I mean, you nailed it there, uh, Speedy PD, is that it's just, it's been horrible. And it's weird because, again, you've had these morsels of games, like the Minnesota game jumps out where the Zonovan had the massive run down the left hash that got him uh, in scoring range there. And he's had a, a few nice games. The Bears game was the coming out party uh, when he got his first crack at the bat. So, you know, I am surprised, but maybe it's just that this Jets offensive line has been battered. They've put six different starting offensive linemen uh, on IR at different portions of this season. And maybe just eventually the horses just run out. It's been impressive, quite frankly, that Joe Douglas and give cre- credit to uh, the Jets offensive line coach, John Benton, that the combination of them have figured it out despite any injuries. And they've been more than competent in both protection and in the run game. But now it's just kind of slogging a bit. The thing I really don't understand, though, and it's kind of weird, and I, I don't know what speaks to this, is that the analytics of how the offensive line performs with Mike White compared to Zach Wilson are stark. Now, is it the offensive linemen like Mike White more so they're blocking better? Is it Mike White throwing the ball a little bit faster so the analytics lean a little bit more favorably because there's less time to sack him because he's not holding the ball as long? Again, that's up to each and every one uh, individually to try to interpret. But the fact of the matter is what they will be able to do is get the ball out. That's what Mike White does best. He gets the ball out of his hands very quickly, and that should do two things. First off, that should horizontally spread the defenses that they're playing, so it should kind of thin them out like butter on a piece of toast and thus the north and south running game of Azanovan Knight should be able to kind of break through a little bit because basically what these defenses have done when they played against Zach Wilson they're like screw you pal we're going to load up the box and blitz on every third down and see what you can do and he's folded like a used lawn chair so now to have to respect the passing game a little bit more with Mike White's ability both in the short and intermediate passing game that's going to both spread him out horizontally like I just said and also back him up a little bit and I think that should naturally uh, help the run game from that perspective 
perspective. Again, the Seattle Seahawks defense, as an example to your question, they are 31st in rush defense. It's almost like what we saw with Detroit, like where the Jets sucked against Detroit running the ball, and then all of a sudden Carolina Panthers ran for like 350 (laughs) yards. Like The Jets have no excuse. They need to establish a ground game, and perhaps who does that first in this Jets-Seattle game may end up winning the contest. But again, both defenses are poor. Uh, the Jets should be able to get theirs in the running game, which maybe leads into uh, some of that run set up the pass action, uh, specifically this weekend, despite Tariq Woolen out there and uh, Quandre Diggs in the back in the back end of that defense. I think that's something uh, that they're going to lean on. As everybody knows, we are talking to heavy sports Jets digital reporter Paul Aston Jr., we look at the offensive line. George Font, it took him a while to get healthy. He has been horrible. Dwayne Brown, I give him a lot of credit. He's playing with one arm. Uh, Lincoln Tomlinson has been absolutely horrible this year. McGovern, thank God, is, is is on his final year, so maybe the Jets look for a center in the draft. He's been really, ever since Elijah Vera Tucker's injury, this offensive line has been an absolute debacle. It's not been good. Uh, and I don't care what anybody says. The Jets had one of the top three li- linemen in all of football. The guy played four four positions this year and was pretty dominant on every single one of them. And it's just a shame that losing a player of that magnitude. Everybody keeps everybody was speaking about Brees Hall, but the biggest loss from those two injuries was Elijah Vera Tucker. What are your thoughts to what the Jets need to do this week against a, not a very good pass rush in Seattle? And then the week after against Miami, which is a little bit better. A hundred percent. And by the way, I hate that we're having like debates. That's because there's been too, too many injuries where it's a conversation. Like, uh, do you think Brees Hall was a bigger loss or was it AVT or was it this guy? Or was it this guy? Again, the Jets have been just destroyed with injuries uh, all year long, but I do agree. It was the AVT one that really set it back, but both were lost in the same game, I guess. So they won the battle winning that Denver Broncos game, but perhaps lose the war of changing the ceiling of their season by losing uh, both of those players. Yeah. I mean, it is up to the offensive line to step up to the play. I mean, you did a really good job there of kind of setting up the, the issues. Again, I, I give all the credit in the world to Dwayne Brown. He could have, uh, after having a torn rotator cuff, which is the injury Dwayne Brown suffered right before the season opener, he had one of two choices. Either, again, get placed on IR, which is what happened, miss four games, and not have surgery and hope you can heal it in that way and just kind of play through it or have the surgery and you're immediately out for the year. And if he would have been at 37 years of age, he would have simply just retired. So he would have just taken the bag of money he got from the Jets and walked off into the sunset. So credit to him to say, screw that. And the direct quote that he gave to the team is, I'm, I'm not going out that way. So he, he has been, all things considered, uh, comparable uh, from that standpoint at left tackle, which has been really cool to see. Unfortunately, I can't say the same for the rest of the line. Lakin Tomlinson, who... It's so hard to believe how bad he's been because it's the same system. It's the same scheme. He's playing the same position. The Jets made Elijah Rare Tucker switch because they wanted to make things as smooth as possible for Lakin. And for whatever reason, he has just struggled mightily. So hopefully it's just a weird year. And then he just gets back to the consistent, durable guy that he's been in San Francisco. Like he's been out there. So durability hasn't been the issue. But just getting kind of pushed around is something quite frankly, I didn't anticipate, especially with how we saw him in training camp in the preseason and the nasty he seemed to bring to the room. That was surprising. And yes, as you mentioned, Connor McGovern is a free agent. So what are you going to do there? The Jets have flirted with options. Ryan Jensen, they flirted with him for NC. Corey Lindsley before in free agency. So I think center is going to be a big point of emphasis uh, this offseason for the Jets. We'll see whether that's a draft or a free agency thing. They don't have the normal amount of money uh, that they would. But I do believe that this offensive line can be comparable enough to get them through this run. Again, 
true health in the offseason and adding new pieces to the puzzle is going to help more than anything. But this offensive line can be good enough. They haven't been good enough, but they have the ability uh, to be good enough to get the job done both in the run game and pass game. It just won't be as dominant as they were hoping it would be uh, before the year. One thing I've always had a problem with the Jets this year has been the assistant coaches. A lot of the time, Jeff Ulbrich, I liked him at the beginning of the season, but he's kind of fallen off, I think, when it comes to adjustments. And then Mike LaFleur, the same kind of thing. I think they're too stubborn in their systems. Do you feel the same way with either side of the ball? Uh, Jeff Ulbrich got a lot of shit, to be blunt, at the beginning (laughs) of the year for the defensive line rotation. That was the thing that pissed people off because Quinnen Williams was getting anywhere in between like 58 and 63% of the snaps. And again, with a player that a lot of people perceive to be the best player on the team. This is before he's blown up, and again, he's a pro bowler. I I imagine he's going to be an all-pro too. This is before all this blow-up that happened over the last batch of weeks. It's early in the season. He showed pops, but you would think that, man, if he's showing pops with 58% of the snaps, if you give him 75, like oh shit move out well, what, what is he how what is the ceiling going to possibly be but the defensive line or, or excuse me the defense coordinator in this case Jeff Ulbrich said nah we we got a system baby this is how it works and he got a lot of flack from fans the media and everything and then all of a sudden something clicked they did increase Quinnen's percentage a little bit so they did acquiesce to some of that public pressure well, I like that but word. overall acquiesce. They, they did just yeah, yes there you go fancy words oh I love it man and, I love it yeah, I appreciate it. I, I try to dig into the vernacular Ooh, uh, if I can. You I like say, that uh, one too. Using that associate's degree and bachelor's degree. There you go, mom. I told you I <laughs> saw that college money you guys spent. There you go. God bless. So, you know, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, uh, I will disagree on the Jeff Ulbrich stuff. I think while, again, there was a lot of flack early on, they stuck to their guns and it's worked out great. Yes. The Jets have been a great pressure team, a great sack team. Quinnen Williams has 12 sacks in the year. That's the sixth highest total in single season history of New York Jets. And he has a chance. And really, if he didn't miss the game and then the other like three quarters portion of the Buffalo game, he'd probably be at 15 sacks right now. Which, probably. By the way, his 12 right now is the highest number among interior defense alignment in the league. So he's balling out. He's the Aaron Donald of interior defense alignment this year. So that's great. But I think uh, I, I cannot push back at all on the Michael Floor stuff. He just gets too cute. All his third and fourth and short packages suck. He just he just gets too far in his bag. He he does crazy crap. He outthinks himself. And I don't know if it's the LaFleur name and he's trying to play to it. I don't know if he wants to be like the hero and like, wow, what a great call. Like, that's the reason the Jets won. I have no idea. I'm not in Mike LaFleur's head, but he's just done a lot of crazy crap this year. Like when it's a simple, hey, just QB sneak it. You got it. They do a halfback sweep for a five-yard loss. There's another one this year. I think it was the Bengals game. It was a fourth and five play and they did a deep, you know, out, like a like almost like a deep fade route to Elijah Moore in triple coverage. You're like, man, Elijah Moore's like 5'10". What are we doing here? Yeah. So they've just done a lot of weird stuff, especially in the red zone. A lot of that has been bad because Michael Flores leaned on the pass more so than the run, and that's hurt them in a lot of situations. Because when you pass a ball, three things can happen, and two of them are bad. So I think really that they needed to, you know, kind of get less out of the bag, more committed to the running game. And right, his his adaptations have been very poor. And again, whether you want to give him the excuse or not, they've had four different quarterbacks this year get snaps. And God bless, we've continued that run for the New York Jets every gosh darn year for the last four or five years, getting at least three quarterbacks in every season. I, I appreciate the holiday spirit sharing that. That's very nice, you know, sharing the rock from the quarterback perspective. But uh, you'd like that uh, to be contained a little more. So both to kind of long way roundabout answer the question i think both guys are safe not that there was any question they were going to get fired but i think both guys are safe 
and Michael Flores at least another full year to me oh, before please. even that's a thought. There's, there's, only, there's, only one throw up. there's only one LaFleur that's a hero, and that's Peter. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, that's right, yeah. Average Joe's. Uh, Lobo Jim, baby. Uh, I love that movie, by the way, Dodgeballs. But I, I am absolutely terrified at the offensive play calling of Mike LaFleur, and we are talking to heavy sports Jets digital reporter Paul Eston Jr., I, I'm just sick and tired of watching this guy call plays, okay? I, I'm just – every – against Minnesota, you had yes. six red zone chances. Six. And the only yeah. touchdown you had was Mike White sneaking in after a fourth and one, okay? And then right, you were – to review that one yes. because it was initially called the turnover on downs, which would have been 0 for 6. And then yeah. you're, you're, you're second and on the two, okay? Mm-hmm. Second on the yep. two – and you decide to throw the ball not once, not twice, but three times and gave the ball yep. away. You cannot – and that that would have won them the game. That would have given them the lead and sure. maybe probably would have ended the game in Minnesota. And they should they, – the Jets would have clinched a playoff spot. It, to me, yep. it, it's just it, absolute embarrassment. And – and the excuses that he has at his press conferences is not selling me, okay? You're the reason why Zach Wilson hasn't developed. Let's be honest. You. You're the one who wanted Zach Wilson. You and Robert Sala. I'm not going to throw Robert Sala under the bus because Robert Sala has taken this defense where he said he was going to take him. He He was going to take him to that San Francisco type of talent. And he took this job because of Quinn and Williams. He said that mm-hmm. at his press conference. Quinn Williams he is did. one of the best linemen in the league, and people are going to see that when we run this scheme. This, uh, you know, obviously, um, this front four, you know. all, all now. Yes, yeah. he's been fantastic. But what I have seen this year from this offense mm-hmm. is just an absolute outrage. And for any Jet fan to sit here and say, hey, you know what? It's not Zach Wilson. Or, hey, it's not Mike White. Or, hey, it's all of them and all of the above. How about it's all because of Mike LaFleur? The reason why this offense has been really horrendous in the last four weeks, five weeks, is because the one, the pretty boy himself, Mike LaFleur. Okay? And I, Matt LaFleur, pretty boy. What is up with these pretty boys? Uh, Sean McVay, pretty boy. Every single yeah. guy that comes from the tree of Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan are pretty boys, except mm. um, except the one over there in Miami, the Smurf. But uh, you yeah. know, I, I mean, <laughs> all the other ones. Uh, by the way, I, I love when when he goes up <laughs> when he goes up and talks to the press. They have like a step on stool. Oh, Mike McDaniel's yeah, right. yeah. He's got yeah, a little step in stool. It, it's really funny. And then yeah. when he's on the field when they're practicing, he's dancing to hip hop music. It's one of the funniest things yeah. you ever see. I I think he's a good. He's got a great personality. He's but quirky. Yes, yeah. he's very quirky. But when he goes up to, <laughs> goes up on the stage and he talks to the press when they have that little thing that he stands up, it's one of the funniest yeah. things you ever see. Yeah, but it's a box for TV. Yeah, it, yeah. it's. Yeah. Yeah, right. To me, they're all pretty boys, and they don't know what the hell they're doing. They really don't. And Kyle Shanahan, as much as he's a quote-unquote genius, the man doesn't know when to not run the ball. Okay, he runs the ball when he he's supposed to when he thinks it's it's the right time to run the ball, and then when he has a chance to win the game, he stops running the ball. It doesn't make sense. So yeah, that's my take on that. Okay, Michael. Which, uh, by the way. Uh... I get it. I will say this. I think the the hard part for a lot of Jet fans, unfortunately or fortunately, whatever way you want to look at it, unfortunately, is Michael Floor 
Yeah, unfortunately, that's that's the best way. <laughs> Mike LaFleur is the best offensive coordinator the Jets have had since insert. I guess you could give the random Jan Gailey year in 2015. Oh, but God. Like, so, so he's been the best they've had. But when in comparatively speaking, they've all been terrible. So when they're like, well, I guess it's better than normal. <laughs> so I feel like there's kind of that normal. That, there's that weird mindset when evaluating Mike Floor because you almost have to take a step back because on a normal coordinator basis. Right. All these people are like ripping apart like, man, you suck. And then some other people are going, well, you know, I remember what it was before this guy. So, again, it's kind of a I remember the Adam Gase when we, we weren't getting first downs. And you're like, wow. And then here, at least with Michael Floor, you're moving the ball. It seems like they're doing it almost at will when Mike White's playing and not Zach Wilson. Speedy, did, they're moving it on a consistent Speedy, basis. Did you hear that his, to me is like, hmm. Yeah. Did you hear his old man, you know, yes, like I speaking? Uh-huh. Well, okay. you know, because it's always the old guys. The old guy. Well, you know, I, I've been watching this team for 50 years since Joe Namath. <laughs> and uh, Joe Namath is the greatest quarterback we've ever had, even though he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's just... It's 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 nonsense. It's nonsense. Mm. I'm a Jet fan. Speedy is not. Yeah. But you wouldn't even know it because when I'm on the show, I do speak a lot about the Jets because they're they're fun to talk about. It, it, win or lose, sure. they yeah. they really stand out, even from the Giants who are going Funny to make jury. the playoffs. Yeah. Th- there's nothing that really stands out. Saquon Barkley, great. Uh, Daniel mm. Jones, fantastic. Everything else, mm-hmm. Dable. Great guy, D-line fat guy, but <laughs> fat guy uh, knows what he's doing on the field. Probably win coach of the year uh, if he wasn't in the same division as the Eagles. Who knows? I, I honestly, yeah. when you when you look at the Jets, there is just something about this team that y- if you don't laugh at it or you're not happy about it, you might as well make a joke about it. And that and, and that's and and that's what the Jets are. They they've been a joke forever. For everybody, the NFL. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. And by the way, Zach Wilson's mom, okay? She's a beautiful woman. Sure, let's go. Fantastic. Beautiful woman. Okay. Very beautiful. Sure. And and his and his and her her girlfriend who probably slept with Zach, beautiful too. Why why are they Love America speaking on social media? Why are they taking shots at the fans, the Mm -hmm. organization? Uh, New York fan base. To me, they're only throwing him under the bus more. They're making him look like a barter, okay? And that's what Mm. they are. Right now, he is on every single dartboard in in Long Island, okay? His face is on every single dartboard here in every single bar because of his stupid mom. His mom should yeah. be keeping her mouth shut. She shouldn't be saying anything. I understand she's got all the money in the world. I understand her brother owns like uh, JetBlue or whatever the hell they own. That's correct. Uh, yeah. Who cares? Okay. Uh, we we all know about uh, somebody that was drafted a couple of years ago from I, I don't I don't know from Arizona who had a lot of money should have played professional tennis decided to go into the NFL because a quarterback opened his mouth at the press conference said that he's the best quarterback in this 
class, and the guy was practically let go after one year for another quarterback. And there was a cornerback drafted by the Giants that had a pretty vocal mother in himself, too. Eli yes. Apple. That's also true. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. actually That's still in the true. NFL playing well. Oh, uh, yeah, he is yeah, this Bengals, year. I'll give him yeah, credit. Yeah. He's played well this year. I, I mean, maybe <laughs> he's figured out. time. Well, his mom's, yeah. you know, making money all over social media. She wrote a book. Good for her. I mean, uh, everybody That's deserves great. to make money, but uh, uh, it's an embarrassment. And she should be ashamed of herself. And if I was Zach Wilson, I'd be like, Mom, shut your mouth. You're, you're making well, we worse. did see that. I can't remember if it was his rookie. I think it was his rookie year. So, like, obviously his mom was a very loud personality, for lack of a better word, on social media before Zach was drafted, number two overall. Mm-hmm. And there was this thing where he, I think, either admitted it at a press conference or it came out on social media. And he basically went up to his mom and said, hey, mom, can you cut the crap? Like, you're, you're, you're doing all this Zach Wilson yelling about this and this, the fans, organization, whatever. Like, can you please stop? And then she came out the next day and did a whole statement on her Instagram saying, you know, I won't be quieted. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an independent woman. I'll say what I want, do what I want. So at that point, Zach Wilson just threw his hands up and said, all right, I guess, because, you know, she's your own woman. So he did attempt that at the very least for whatever that's worth. But apparently that fell on death. He's a mama's boy. And, and, and that it seems to be. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't work in New York. It doesn't. If you're a mama's boy, it doesn't work. Sam Donald was a mama's boy. It didn't work in New York. Vinny Testaverde was not a mama's boy. Chad Pennington was not a mama's boy. These guys, they they were New York type of guys. And I I just think they need to find that guy, that quiet, edgy guy, Eli Manning type of guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought that's what you were going to say. When, yeah. I, when you were going down, I'm like, yeah. Eli Manning? Yeah, I, Eli back? Manning. Oh, because okay. say whatever you want about Eli, and, and he is yeah. a Hall of Famer because of what he did oh, in no the playoffs. Doubt. He's 100% a Hall of Famer. But the First guy, when, when it came to the big game, he found mm-hmm. a way no matter what to win. He was a winner. He went out there and he gave it his all. There is not, Ice in his vein. There is not mm-hmm. one Jet quarterback. I don't want to hear about Mark Sanchez, please. Okay? And I'm sure Rex Ryan regrets getting a tattoo of him on his leg. Okay? But yeah. arm, whatever he put it on. But the fact is, the, the instant of quarterback over and over again, the Jets have drafted. Let, let's look. The Jets have yeah. drafted a top five quarterback three times in the last 12 years. Three times in the last 12 years. And none of them, and none of them are going to be on this team, on this squad, 12 years later. And that just tells you about how bad and how desperate they are of drafting a quarterback. It's embarrassing. It's an embarrassment. Yeah, if you go with just those, because Darnold lasted three years. Zach Wilson at this point looks at two. And I think Sanchez only played four years. I think a lot of people forget that. And then he went to the Eagles, I think. Yep. Yeah, right. Eagles, Bears, Cowboys, yeah, he bounced around. But <laughs> yeah, right. to the point that like each of those quarterbacks played four seasons or less after being first round picks. Not ideal. Fair and, to say. And, and by the way, Tony, yeah. I love I love you on so Tony, I love you as a broadcaster. I love you on social media. Please don't stand up for any of our quarterbacks. Every single again. quarterback yeah, that the Jets yeah. draft, you say, oh, this guy's going to be one of the greats. This guy's this. They no, never no. pan out when you open your damn mouth. Keep your two cents to yourself. You're jinxing us. There you go. If you yeah, want to play the jinx, you can always play Tony Romo. Tony Why Homo! 
There Damn! You, you don't need any cow- Cowboys bad juju in your organization. I love Tony Romo. I think he's a great broadcaster. I think he he's really fantastic. Is. He really yeah. is. But it, for some reason, he jinxes the Jets. He he really does. Yeah. He, he, it's he, his fault. I, yeah. I'm going to blame him. Yeah, Cole in his stocking, Santa. Cole in his Yeah, that's right. He is all about the Cole, baby. All about mm-hmm. the cold. No gold, no platinum, no silver, and definitely no bronze, baby. Anyways. Well, there's a reason There's a reason why the Cowboys ah. haven't beaten the Jets since 2007. Maybe it's Tony Robo. I'm just tired. Isn't that, such a, isn't that such a crazy stat? That's fantastic. Yeah. I love that stat every time it comes up. I, I'm, I'm about to throw up. I, I, just, I have a bucket right next to me. After the show, I'll throw up a couple of times and forget the name Tony Romo. Anyways, um, as everybody knows, we are talking to heavy sports Jets digital reporter Paul Eston Jr., our friend, who will follow mm-hmm. me on social media after the I show. I love you, yes. man. I want to contend and continue building our friendship and contend against you on some of the things that you say on social media because there are some great things you say and some outlandish things, but that's what makes you you. That is what makes uh, well, you Well, I appreciate that. And yes. by the way, the follow is the next step in the relationship. That's I slid right. the note over. I said, like or like, like. And I, I've seen your response. It's been slid back to me. And oh. I, I will accept that and move forward. So I appreciate the evolution I do like the Jets hat. I do. Beautiful. I, I do. I love Thank it. Thank you very much. I try to mix it up. Yeah, you do. And I, I, I should have worn my Jets hat, too. But I have a bunch of them, too. I appreciate it. A lot of fantastic yeah. amount. As a matter of fact, I might put one on just for you when Speedy asks his question right now. Oh, beautiful. Please All do. right. Go, 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 go yeah. find your jet set while I ask yeah. you this question. Yeah. So we've heard them yeah. link to a bunch of veteran quarterbacks now with the bits yeah. all the Zach all Wilson rumors. So yeah. which one do you think you would want the most of the ones that are realistic? And which what one do you I think want. is okay. the most likely for you? Okay. So those will probably be two different answers, but yeah. let's see. Who would I want again? Because I think they're all in tears. And uh, there, there we go. Here, here's the production team as uh, we're getting back in. Ah, look at that. Oh, wow, that's <laughs> nice. That's that's fresh. Is that the brand new established in whatever the? That's right. That's right, yeah, baby. That's, that's, look at that. I've that's, got that's I've got both of them. Shoes. I've got both of them, baby. I got both okay. of them. All right. Okay, well, since we were just new follow buddies, maybe you can send me a gosh darn Christmas present. There you maybe go. I might, I might just do I'd that. I appreciate that. So, I might just uh, slide that. in the DMs, please. Uh, but oh uh, yeah, this <laughs> question. Like I said, I think it's tears. I think there's the dream people, right? The Lamar Jacksons of the world. I think that's like this dream that I don't think is realistic. Because again, for that to even be possible, Lamar has to burn every bridge and say, like, you know, fuck you, Ravens. I- I'm not signing with you, so you better trade my ass because I'm never playing again. You can franchise tag me, but you can't find me because technically I- I'm a free agent until I sign that franchise tag. So you can't find me. You can't do anything. And Lamar's made a lot of money in his uh, rookie contract. And he has endorsement deals and stuff. So maybe if he wanted to, he could push that length. But until he does, that's nothing more than a pipe dream. So really, the quarterback you want to shoot for for me is the highest possible. Because I think what the Jets found out this year is that you know, at the very least, you're a quarterback away from being taken very seriously as a playoff contender. Now, is that Super Bowl contender? I don't know. I guess it depends on the quarterback you get. But if you get that missing piece, and if that's all that's missing, Robert saw Joe Douglas have to go into a room after the season, however it ends, whether it's playoffs, no playoffs, say, okay, we need a quarterback. Who's it going to be? Let's swing as hard as we can on whoever that guy is. So to me, again, if Lamar is possible, you go for Lamar. But really the name I would want 
best for the Jets is Aaron Rodgers. Mm. I think that he's been not, I don't think he's been a back-to-back NFL MVP while he struggled this year is the most interceptions he's had since 2010, which by the way, is also the year they won the Super Bowl. a wink. But <laughs> if you really want to look at that for the Aaron Rodgers thing is that I believe it's really the circumstances that are sucking more so than space jam. His powers have been taken away. <laughs> well, look at like that. this year, all of a sudden he sucks and he's over the hill. So for me, I feel like he's just a really good player, but like, Everything has collapsed around him. The Devontae Adams trade, you know, throwing pass to Christian Watson. You mentioned the uh, jet screen thing of the three wide receivers in a bubble. I think someone mentioned that on my show earlier. Actually, I'm, I'm throwing all my shows together. But someone mentioned it where they were all blocking instead of anyone coming back for a pass. So <laughs> it's it's the same thing that happened in Green Bay. So he goes, he gives him the signal. He like goes, you know, hey, Christian. And then he throws it. It skips at his feet like a rock on the pond. Like Devontae Adams catches that for a touchdown. So, like, I just feel like the Packers thing is just – it's just run its course. LaFleur had 13-3, 13-3, 13-3. Everything's great. And then everything imploded this year. So, I don't think it's Aaron Rodgers just magically he sucks now. I think he's just – He's good, but everything around him sucked. And plus, he had the thumb injury, which I can only imagine trying to throw a fo- throw a football with a broken thumb. He still was pretty. Aaron Rodgers would be the name I would like to see to answer that part of the question. Who I think it's going to be? I think the the betting favorite has to be the player in multiple senses: the one that has connections and the one that's guaranteed to be a free agent. That's Jimmy Garoppolo. Of course, Jimmy Garoppolo would be crazy, not at the very least, to just meet with the Jets just to see. Because of the renegotiation with the 49ers, he can't be franchise tagged. So, again, he's guaranteed to reach agency no matter what. They can't franchise tag him. They can't do anything. He is going to be a free agent. And I imagine near the top of his list is like, okay, where can I get paid a lot of money? Okay, a lot of places. All right, where can I go where I think the system's just going to accept me? Hmm, the same system I just had in San Francisco and all the coaches there. Again, there's LaFleur, there's uh, uh, John Benton, there's Sala, and everybody over there. So I think that's going to be – that's a softball to me. Again, it scares the shit out of me. You, you asked me two separate questions. Who who would I want to see and who I think it's going to be? Those are separate answers. I'm afraid to all hell that he's been healthy one season in his entire seven-year, eight-year, nine-year career, whatever it's been, and it's 2019, and they went to the Super Bowl that year. That's good. But wait a second. He's only been healthy that one year? Hmm, that's bad. So to me, I don't know if I want to pay him 30-plus million a year on a three-year deal for like let's say 85, 90 million and he gets hurt in the first week. I'm like, so we're exactly back where we were in 2022, because if you throw that kind of money around, you can't then get a, a competent backup. You won't have enough money for the whole world to go around. So, oh, again, so you're saying they won't sign choice, Mike White for a six time. <laughs> no, please. Right. Don't. Yeah. So to my point, Aaron Rodgers would be my pick, but I think the jets will go up. Well, don't cut. forget about Derek Carr. So I, I think he'll be He's possible as well. He could straight up get cut. He mm-hmm. could be traded. I mm-hmm. mean, there's a lot of things on the table and I, you know, I know Derek Carr apparently all, Jet fans think he sucks. No, he would doesn't. immediately be the most decorated quarterback in Jets franchise history. hundred percent in in every major category. Like that's not even an opinion. Like literally, his passing yards right now he's got like thirty five thousand to change. He'd be number one in Jets history by over eight thousand passing yards, <laughs> touchdowns. He has forty seven more than the next closest guy in first place. So all of the numbers, he'd immediately be the best quarterback they've ever seen. And I know that offends a lot of people. Yeah, but well. like no. Like, so that's someone that would intrigue me greatly. Uh, and I imagine the Jets, at the very least, like I said, will kick the tire. How about I just uh, throw a couple of baseball at those baseballs at those Jet fans? Because uh, Yeah, there you go. There you, you know, go. Maybe knock that's them out because yeah, they have absolutely that. no that's very idea. very Eagles of you. Very Eagles. Well, fans. you know, uh, somebody's got to be believe, somebody's got to be gifted. Before we let you go, who do you got this weekend? Seattle and Jets. And what do the Jets need to do to win? 
to me, this is, again, as close to a 50-50 game as you could get, both from both teams are literally 7-8. and eight. Number two, they're both playoff lives are on the line. Now, if the Jets lose, they're out. If Seattle loses, technically they're not out. They could still get in with only one win in these final two weeks, and then they would need a little bit of help next week. But I think actually that weird factor actually benefits the Jets. You know that there's no other way. You have to win. You can't convince yourself saying, all right, well, if we lose, we can still backdoor in. No, like it's over. Like as soon as they lose, it's over. So I think that actually helps the Jets. The playoff boat has already started heading into this week as opposed to Seattle, at least in the back of your mind, you know it's not do or die because at least you have a chance. So I think that weird mentality is going to slightly benefit the Jets. The Jets don't have a good history of traveling to Seattle, but the Seattle's team has not performed very well. Look at their injury report heading into this game. They had like seven, eight, nine guys on the injury report versus the Jets who only had three or four. So, you know, the injuries, both teams are slumping. I think the Jets win. It's going to go one of two ways. My my prediction is it's going to be a low-scoring, gross game. It's going to be like 18-15 Jets, <laughs> and that's disgusting. Six but, field goals versus uh, five? Nice. Know, yeah, yeah, see, exactly. Now that I've said that, though, it's going to be 48 to 45. So I take that with a grain of salt, I suppose. But Wait, yeah, I think Jets it's going to be an ugly 45 game. points. You sure about that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you know what? On, on second thought, Mike White's um, the next Peyton Manning. Look at that. See, there you go. I, I saw Connor Hughes of SNY. He said he had a dream that Mike White throws five. He had a dream earlier this week that oh, Mike please. White will throw five touchdowns against the Seattle Seahawks. Please. So uh, we'll see. But I think the Jets are going to play up for him. I think that obviously the locker room loves him. He's an upgrade over what they've had. So he's going to give him some life. And the Jets defense has played really well all year. I mean, yeah. they're seven and one if their offense scores more than 18 points. I think that's the stat. So if we get to my 18-15, I guess that's eight and one. Uh, for the New York Jets. So, yeah, I think they win the game. I think it's ugly. But, again, you'll take an 18-15, 1-2. I mean, you'll take any a win to win, So especially Paul, after uh, all the Paul, I had a dream in the 1960s I slept with Marilyn Monroe. Did I? I wow, that sounds like Yeah, I, I mean, come on. Congratulations on that. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. I, somebody yeah. needs to sleep with her. I mean, she slept with everybody else, so there you go. hey <laughs> Paul, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate yeah. you as always, and uh, we, we will talk to you a lot sooner than later. How's that sound? I was about to say, all right, I'll see you guys in a year. Thank now, you very much. God bless. Four months. Uh, four months. I won't lie to you. At yeah. Errol Marks 34. E-R-R-O-L. E-R-R-O-L. Oh, well, uh-huh. M-A-R-K has 34, okay? 34. There you go. Now, Excellent. I don't Beautiful. know if he actually wrote on that piece of paper, but, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> do we even know kidding. if it's paper? Uh-huh. Hold on. Do we even know Look if it's paper? Look at that. Okay. He did. There we go. It's a he lot did. Of yeah. There yeah. he goes. Yeah. There I, love go. Proof. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I will follow you, Worldwide Sports Radio. Speedy, you follow yeah. him. Yeah, can we get a worldwide? I've been on the show yes. like once yes. a year. I'm Sorry. Santa Claus, and I can't even get a gosh darn You do look like Santa Claus. We just need a... Paint your beard white, and you would yeah, be yeah. Santa Claus. Yes, you would. Yeah, whatever you could do for ho, a follow. Ho, ho, ho. So, there you go. Merry yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Maybe a good Christmas gift would be the Jets actually making the playoffs. How's God that sound? Bless. That'd God be bless. nice for the first time in 11 years. Th- yeah, that's what you would call a Christmas miracle. <laughs> it that, would be. In every sense of the goddamn word. There you every go. Every sense of the goddamn word, Speedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Paul Eston Jr., ladies and gentlemen. Heavy sports Jets digital reporter. Fantastic guy. He yes. really is. Great segment, Speedy. Mm-hmm. He knows his stuff. Oh, yeah. He does. He does. Do you know your stuff? Depends on what it's about. But <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah. 
Terrell Owens reaches out to the Cowboys about potential comeback at the age of 49 or 48, whatever, how old he is. Terrell, you're a fantastic specimen. You really are. You look good. You look like you're in shape. You look like you could play another two or three years. Nobody in the NFL wants you back. You're retired, bud. I, I understand you can run a 4-4 or 4-5. I understand that you played in the CFL or wherever you played. It's not the NFL. Just stay retired. And, and the Cowboys aren't re-signing you. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I, I cannot see Jerry Jones doing that. As a matter of fact, maybe Jerry Jones would be st- stupid enough to do that. But I, I, I True, do- it is Jerry Jones. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I really don't. Eventually, I'll... it would be the talk of the town. But oh, I know <laughs> easily. Dallas Cowboys get enough attention as it is. If they sign Terrell Owens back, forty-nine-year-old rebirth of Terrell Owens. That's exactly what the Cowboys need to make an NFC Championship game for the first time in the twenty-first century. All right, before we get into our Week Seventeen picks, college football playoff preview and picks. Okay, so uh, these two games are going to be fun to watch. I, I think the TCU game. Michigan would have to not show up to this game to to lose this game. They're absolute favorites to coming out of this game. They're the better defense. Uh, Obviously, their offensive line is one of the elite offensive lines in the nation, as you heard from our pal last night. Carl. Yes. So I think this is a game where Michigan is definitely favored in every kind of way. They really are. It TCU needs to get an early lead, and they need to keep putting points on the board if they have a chance to beat Michigan. I, I don't know what more to say about this. Uh, we've seen Jim Harbaugh absolutely a lousy goose egg in, in big games. Last year they went to the national championship and lost against uh, a Georgia team that was just that much better than they were. I, I think this year... Uh, this could be another year where you see Georgia and Michigan in in the championship again. And maybe a surprise happens and Michigan pulls off a win. I doubt it. But this is is a better Michigan team than they were last year. Yeah, what's going to be interesting in that game is TCU's passing offense with that spread system with Sonny Dykes Mm -hmm. against this Michigan defense that is still probably a little better with the front front seven than it is with the secondary. I know when we had John Jansen on the show, he said there's a lot of corners that have played well, which I I do believe. But TCU's receiving core has also been very good. They're three deep, and Kendry Miller has also been a very good running back, too, in the second half of the season. So that's going to be the matchups that... Sonny Dykes is going to have to really expose on that defense to be able to make it work because Michigan's defense up front should dominate TCU's offensive line. TCU's offensive line has been iffy in certain games this year. Max Duggan's been running for his life. And then Michigan's offense, yeah, they're going to be running-centric still, even without Blake Corum. But, again, they're going to, are they going to be able to do it consistently enough? TCU's defense is not great, but it's still been tough up front too. So that's going to be interesting. I agree with you. I probably would favor Michigan in this one. Uh, I would say it's closer than a lot of people are expecting for the betting lines. And what I've seen, a lot of people think Michigan is going to win by double digits. I don't know if I necessarily see that because TCU, I think, does have the better offense to come back in a game because of that. And Jim Harbaugh is the better coach, but I think the offensive firepower with TCU so is Je- still there. So Jeff says TCU has a, a really good chance I would to win. say so, yeah. I don't. I don't. I think it'll be a close game. I don't I, see I Michigan, don't. but I think it'll be a close I game. I think it's a blowout. Okay. I think Michigan blows them out. I do. I, I, I can't see C- TCU winning this game. Okay. I can't. And I, I don't even think it's close. I, I could see 
Michigan winning by 10 or 14. See, if Corum was playing, I would agree with you. I, I, being that he's not, I, I don't know how Yeah, but they're running the ball very well without Corum. I know that, I, which I think they will do on an efficiency standpoint. I don't know if they could do it in a volume standpoint where they're getting all the, like, 30 carries and be able to make it work for the same total value. I don't know if they could do that to the same way. So I think them being able to adjust to that might keep the game closer. Plus, again, TCU's offense, a combination of that. I could see it being a close game. It's going to be fun to watch, but I think as the second half uh, comes away, and I, I, I think that the better team is going to prevail. I think Michigan is by far the better team. I think Michigan all around, even their special teams, is better than TCU. TCU's had a great season. They were undefeated until they lost in their ball in in, in, in the final game in the conference yeah. championship. Uh, they didn't show up in that game. As a matter of fact, a game that a lot of people thought they were heavily favored. I think they played Kent State. Kansas State. It yeah, was Kent, number 10 in the country. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and they just laid up a lousy goose egg in the fourth quarter. They let Kansas State just keep pushing and pushing offensively. And their defense just couldn't hold up a Kansas State team that, to me, you know, in certain certain games this year, didn't show up against some of the worst teams in the nation. So, uh I just think TCU and and maybe Jeff's right. Maybe TCU has a chance. Maybe maybe he's right. I think with the receiving depth, I they don't. Do. I don't. And I I think when you look at the big picture and you look at the position that um, the position that Michigan is in, this is a very important game for the Michigan uh, Wolverines. All right, so, speaking of Jeff, he's arrived. <laughs> go ahead, put him through. Jeff, you're on. Yeah. You know, Errol, you're right in a lot of respects here because Michigan is the better team and they should be favored. They deserve to be favored. But there's an X factor here that people overlook, and that's Sonny Dykes. He doesn't care where he is on the field. He will go for it on every fourth down. Mm. He will, right? And and that unpredictability – can help TCU keep it close. Can can TCU win? Yeah, TCU can win. Will mm-hmm. they? I don't think that they will either, but they still have a real chance because Sonny Dykes is unpredictable. Jim Harbaugh, overly predictable. Mm-hmm. Overly. Mm-hmm. Because while Michigan's defense is really, really good and TCU's offensive line isn't, you know what is really good for TCU? Receivers. Their run defense. Their run defense is also yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. And Michigan can't throw the ball really to save their life. So it's probably going to be fairly close. Right. That's what I'm thinking, too, because if you're going to expose TCU, you're going to do it in the secondary more. But Michigan really doesn't have the deep threat wide receivers the same way either. Even when their receivers have been good, a lot of the times it's been just on shorter routes or simpler routes, too. Yeah, I think I think this game actually can be really close. Michigan is only a touchdown favorite right now. Yes, all right, it might have fallen off from like ten or something. I saw last week, but yeah, okay. It's, I have it. I have it at seven and a half. It's seven and a half now. And I, okay. I thought I saw it at I, ten at one point, but all right, yeah. And I think that that's really, honestly, a probably a pretty good line because I think Michigan should probably be favored. They, their defense is really good, but people overlook that TCU. They have some things going on for them. They have one of the most underrated running backs in the country, in Kendra A. Miller. Yes, mm-hmm. I mentioned that. You, you, not to mention, not to mention the kid behind him. I keep forgetting his name. Is yeah, his Demerico. Demercado. Yeah, Demercado. Yeah, ninety. Yeah, four hundred seventy-two yards and five touchdowns as well. Right. What What they like to do, what TCU likes to do, is hammer uh, Kendra Miller early. And then they go to Dee Mercado. They don't even play Dee Mercado in the first half. And they play him in the second half, so he's fresh. Mm. It's, you know, it's a really good system. 
And the depth really isn't there for Michigan. No, they don't have any depth. And if they they get they get hurt early in the game and that defensive line, any of the players get hurt on that defensive line, uh, it could you know stand trouble for that team. And and by the way, Jim Harbaugh, he wants to win that national championship. I don't think it's going to be this year. I don't think anybody's beating the Bulldogs. But nevertheless, uh, it could be a surprise. Ohio State. Uh, this is a game that they. This is a playoff they snuck in. They shouldn't even be there. USC lost a a big game uh, in their final game of the season, and uh, they couldn't get over the hump. Caleb Williams, who is the Heisman Trophy winner, I would have loved to see him against the Bulldogs. That would have been uh, he's a bum. I, I know you don't like him, but uh, it would have been fun. He's it was a, a. It would have been a fun game to it's watch. Not, it's not a matter of not liking him. Number one, he shouldn't have gotten the Heisman Trophy. That's number one, and number two. Uh, he's a bum. Well, he I disagree. Had, he had he had he had two licks at Utah. Couldn't beat him once. Mm. Well, that had a lot to do with the defense because they stunk. I mean, had he, nothing to do with that. Had nothing to do with the defense. Really? I, I mean, score. he couldn't score. No, he couldn't score. That first game at Utah, he wasn't putting up points. That was what, like a twenty-four. How about the second game? game? No, the first the first game was the shootout. The it was a 43-42 game. Oh, right, 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 right. And then they lost on the two-point conversion. Yes, yeah, Kyle Whittingham right. went for the win and got it, yeah. I mean, right. Caleb but, Williams had a pretty good season, man. I mean, to say that he, he didn't. He wouldn't, he wouldn't even have been close to the Heisman Trophy if the Heisman Trophy winner didn't get hurt. And who's that? Hendon Hooker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah. His... Hands, hands down, Hendon Hooker had the best season going. And because he, I don't know, broke his leg or foot or tore whatever, because yeah. he had he had signature moments. What what was the what was the Heisman moment Caleb Williams had? What beating Oregon State on the road? Get out of here, dude! Hendon Hooker put Alabama in a body bag. Yeah, Jeff, I think the game you were thinking of was the. Uh... Was Oregon State? Yeah, that was the seventeen fourteen game. That was the one they had trouble scoring. Right. Yeah. It was like kind of in the rain, and they wouldn't move the ball, and it, they played terrible. Uh, that kind of put, yeah, that kind of put uh, Oregon State. I think they were ranked in the top ten after that, or something like that, or twelve. The like, only, the yeah. only thing, the only thing about that was it was in Corvallis. So okay, kind of a tough place to play. But when you think of tough road games to play, you don't think Oregon State. No, definitely not. Right. So it's a joke. The Heisman Trophy winner got hurt. And even then, they should have given the Heisman Trophy to Stetson Bennett just as a career thing. Mm-hmm. Dude, how many games has he lost? One over two years? Yeah, pretty much. And then there's the, the Georgia-Ohio State game. That's the game that everybody's looking forward to. Uh, Georgia Bulldogs heavily favored uh, to come out and win the national championship. Uh, but maybe Ohio State somehow pulls off a win like this. I don't see it happening. I don't know if they have enough firepower to do it. But uh, And the defense has been horrible in the second half of the season this year. Ohio State's been known as a defensive team. This year they've been more offensively sound. Uh, the second half they've had problems scoring. Uh, C.J. Stroud, who has been, you know, he was a Heisman candidate early in the season. Uh, you, he's disappeared in certain games. And... Uh, he's a big quarterback. He has a, a good arm strength. He can move inside and out of the pocket. Uh, this guy was, you know, a lot of people thought was the number one pick, predominant number one pick. Now you're, you're kind of questioning, is he the number one pick? Is he the best quarterback in this class? So, I, I, I mean, 
the Bulldogs, they have the a quarterback that won a national championship last year. He's not something that, you know, he's going to probably be a lawyer. He's probably going to go to law school or whatever the heck he's going to do. He likes his Hennessy and all that other stuff. But uh, Just when, don't he, give it when, when he goes out there, he puts, you know, he puts up a good game and he doesn't throw that many interceptions and he lets his team, his defense do what they do best. And that's dominate the field. So the Bulldogs are heavily favored. Do I think Ohio State – this is the game that I think Ohio State could surprise the world and knock them off. But will they? Probably not. Yeah, it's tough to trust that defense the way they've played. It, a lot of the games, too, that have come down the stretch, they've had to win with their defense when when Stroud was bad. But when the game Stroud is good, the defense has been bad, especially in the, in the front. Like, remember all these great years they had all these pass rushers. And since last the start of last year, they haven't really had that kind of rotation of consistently good pass rushers. And then the other thing I just don't like about that is Ryan Day, too. His coaching in-game has been very questionable in a lot of these games, too. And how healthy is Jackson Smith and Jigba? We'll find out. I know Marvin Harrison's played well. Well, he's not playing. He's definitely well, he's not, not playing. playing. He's out officially. Okay, he, yeah. He's already declared. For, he's already said that he wasn't. He had surgery and declared for the NFL. Okay, draft. I didn't see that. Okay, he, all right. So And yeah. so would, same with Trey Deion Henderson. Yeah, and okay. even without those guys, Errol is saying heavily favored. It's not heavily. This spread is closer than the TCU Michigan one. This is at six and a half. Yeah, but a lot of people still think Georgia's going to win. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people still think Georgia's going to win. That's fine, but I'm telling you, it's not heavily favored. This is a closer spread than the other. Yeah, game. but I know. And when when the spread, even when the spread is close, you look at both teams and who are the better teams, and you know who the better teams are. Now, if if TCO somehow finds a way, they get an early lead, and they make Michigan have to come out of their comfort zone. Yeah. TCU could win. Same thing with Ohio State. I'm, I'm hoping T- I'm hoping TCU wins. Honestly. It's just you really annoying, Carl. See... No, I, it has nothing to do with that that particular game not having anything to do with that. I'm afraid he might have a stroke if Georgia just keeps scoring on them again. <laughs> if Michigan wins and Georgia wins, look out, cook out. <laughs> Anyways, uh, since you're on, would you like to do your Week 17 picks? Yeah, who who won the last couple of weeks here, Speedy? Get on this thing. I didn't check last week's, unfortunately. But what about the one before? I I, I told you you and Errol were the same at that week. That week. Oh no, because I didn't hear the same because you said you hadn't done it yet, so I didn't know that you we were the same. No, I think you asked the on Wednesday, but you but then we did it on Thursday. I did mention it. Maybe I didn't mention it when you were on, but I did say at the beginning. I the think show. we were very close this week too. So I think. Uh... We were very close with our. I didn't do very good. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Speedy will. Speedy will look at it over the. The Lions porked me again. Jesus Uh, Christmas! The Lions. Oh, the Motor City Kitties couldn't do it this time. (laughs) Unreal. Just when you think you can trust them, you can't. (laughs) The Lions are gonna lion no matter what. All right, here we go. You know what, Jeff? Let's actually start with those Detroit Lions. Oh, well, I hate you so much. Why not? Let's start with them. They're hosting the Chicago Bears, and I'll pick them to win because the Bears are awful on defense, and the Lions' offense has still been pretty good. I know they're, they had, they were stalled for a quarter against the Panthers, but I mostly blame the defense for that game. The offense, I still think they just had a tough time running the ball, which is rare against the Panthers. I don't think they're going to be able to do that against the Bears in the, this time. I think Swift will play better. Even Justin Jackson's look good in certain instances, too. And the defense, they've been up and down, but I, the Bears will only be able to run the ball. So I'll take the Lions in this one. I'm going to say 34-24. Go ahead, Jeff. I'm, I'm going to take the Lions as well because 
while some people seem to think Justin Fields is so great, the dude can't throw for more than 200 yards in a game. You can't play winning football that way. So I'll, I'll take the Lions. Give me uh, Dan Campbell here. I love Dan Campbell. Yes, we know. Yeah, I have Detroit, too. I think they'll be able to run the ball, and they, they're – the secondary of Chicago is just not good. I think Chark will have a big game. Williams will have another touchdown in this game and start to explode as the wide receiver we think he's going to be. Um, and Justin Fields will have a good game. He'll be able to run the ball, but it won't be enough. I think Jared Goff, uh, his numbers are just going to get higher and higher. I think Jared Goff throws, if you have him in fantasy, 45, 46 points in this game against a really bad Chicago defense. Uh, give me the Detroit Lions, 24-14. All right, we'll get a blowout out of the way. The Chiefs and the Broncos. How badly will the Chiefs blow out the Broncos' new coach? I'll go with... Well, the last game, the Chiefs, had, the Broncos had a chance to beat them. Yeah, with a lot of, like, very questionable penalty calls, but okay. Uh, I'll take the, the Chiefs. This one I do think will be a blowout. I'll take the Chiefs. I'll say 30, I'll say 34 to 20. Yeah, a lot of these games this week, a lot of teams have nothing to play for, like Denver, because it's already over. But the Chiefs actually do have something to play for because they're trying to, you know, take over Buffalo for that top spot and maybe get a bye. So uh, I'm going to take the Chiefs. Just they got something to play for. I got the Chiefs, too. I think it's a blowout it's in Kansas City. It's going to be freezing this weekend. Uh, they're saying in the 20s. So, yeah, Kansas City wins the game. Uh, blowout. All right. The Indianapolis Colts at the New York Giants. Giants will clinch the sixth seed if they win this game, which I normally pick against them, but this time I can't do it. I, the, no Jonathan Taylor for the Colts. That would have been the biggest matchup exposure for the Giants because they haven't been able to stop the run all year, but I don't trust Zach Moss and Deion Jackson, all those guys with the Colts, to be able to do it. I think the Colts' defense keeps them in it for a little bit, but I think the Giants will pull away kind of third, fourth quarter. I'll say Giants 23-10. to 10. I told you before this season started, Speedy, the Giants were a playoff team. This week they get it done and clinch it. Give me the Giants. Oh, the Giants are going to win. Indianapolis is a complete disaster. Uh, Saturday will not be the coach next year. Uh, <laughs> uh, Peyton has an opportunity to go over there and rebuild that team, maybe become the GM. That's the only place I think it makes sense for him to be the GM slash coach. Um, yeah, the Giants win, blowout. All right. The New, uh, the New Orleans Saints at the Philadelphia Eagles. A big game for the Eagles to win so they can keep the Saints draft pick lower. <laughs> and they will do that because they can, they looked really good against Dallas. They scored 34 points on that defense. The Dallas defense has not looked good in recent weeks. And even with Gardner Minshew, they were able to play well. The Saints defense has been better but still not great. They'll keep them in it for a little bit. And I do think they'll be able to run the ball. But I think the Eagles, like, like the Giants, will pull away in the third quarter. Give me Philly. I'm going to say 30-17. to 17. Saints think, give me the Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles are going to win. They're going to be able to run against the Saints. And, and the Saints, really, in their secondary, has not. Lattimore is, is a shutdown, but on the other side of the ball, they just haven't been good. And in the last couple of weeks, they've looked really, really bad. The Eagles have enough offense. Garden Mitchell will have a decent game. I, I think they win 20-14. to 14. All right, we'll get, we'll get the meaningless game out of the way now, the Arizona-Atlanta game. I'll, I'll just take this one. Falcons win 16-10. Uh, to 10. <laughs> Uh, Arizona and Atlanta, is that the game we're talking yes. about? Mm -hmm. They're both eliminated, so it's completely meaningless. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 gonna take the Cardinals here. Okay. How can you bet against Zaven Collins? I but just can't do it. Yeah, I got Atlanta. I, I think Atlanta wins the game. Uh Mr. Rid Ritter has his first win Stinks. as an Atlanta Falcon. That's what I think is going to happen. <laughs> 
Uh, I didn't say he was going to play well, Jeff, but okay. All right. The Look, ca- I, liked the, I liked him as a college quarterback. Like, he was really good. He is not a pro quarterback. This is, it's just getting sad. Hmm. All right. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Can they keep it hot against the Houston Texans? They just beat the Titans last week. I am going to take the Jaguars, but I do think this game will actually be closer than expected, being that the Texans' <clears throat> pass defense has been good, and their pass rush has gotten a lot better, too. Jacksonville's defense struggles with some big plays. I think Brandon Cooks is a nice game. So I think they keep it close, but I do think Jacksonville will win. I'm going to say 24 to 20. Yeah, I'm going to take the Jaguars as well because of, of Trevor Lawrence and how well he's playing. I know nobody expected him coming out of college to play any good, and he wasn't a very highly rated quarterback, but he's really shown me something for Jacksonville now. I got Jacksonville too. They're going. I wouldn't be surprised if the Texans win this game and surprise everybody, but – Jacksonville win a close game. I, I don't know. I I I wouldn't be shocked. They're going to Texas, Texas, and Mills wants to try to you know win that job, and he wants to show them that he can win. But uh, I don't think Lovey Smith is going to have enough uh, this coming week against Jacksonville. Jacksonville wins seventeen fourteen. All right, the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots. Teddy Bridgewater starting for the Dolphins. Jeffy, Jeff, you're going to have to get annoyed at Matt Patricia and Joe Judge again because the Patriots offense, I think, will still have some problems in this game. The Dolphins, they're Shoot only... them to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be saying that after this week because the Dolphins, their biggest weakness on defense is chunk plays, but the Patriots don't get a lot of chunk plays. And actually, the guy that I thought was going to do well in this game was Hunter Henry, and he got hurt last week. So yep. is he going to play? He killed me. I know. I know it did. And I, I, that was a good. That was a match of nightmare. Miami's had trouble with tight ends, and I, that offensive line's been a mess for the Patriots, too. I, the Patriots defense will obviously play well in this game. I think they'll be able to take out one of Hill or Waddle, but I don't think they'll be able to do both. So give me Miami, low-scoring, tight game. I'm going to say 22-14. I'm going to take uh, New England in this. I, I don't take them often, right? Uh, or at least not this year anyways, but I'm going to take them in this game. Something has happened over the last couple of weeks in New England. Kendrick Bourne has come back and he started to make plays and and the press is starting to ask too many questions of Patricia and Judge and Belichick on why they didn't play him. I think Bourne gets in the game. He's going to be a difference maker. That It hasn't been that way all year. They haven't played him. And I think this will be the, the one weird week where they actually might score to like 20 points and win a game. I am back and forth with this game because either way, uh, the Patriots have to lose one of their last games if the Jets have a chance to make it. I don't think the Jets are making it still. But I have Miami in this game. I think Miami will win this game. I think Teddy Bridgewater will do enough, and their running game will do enough. The Patriots have had problems uh, against some of these good running ga- running teams. and, and They haven't. They, they have. They have. They haven't. Really? No, they haven't. They who, haven't who done the ball. Who's the one that ran the ball all over him this year that uh, you're claiming? Uh, the, Jets, the, the Jets ran all, all over him. The Jets didn't. The yes, Jets they, did. didn't, they didn't score any points in that It doesn't matter. Game. They ran, they, they got the yardage against them. Uh, what, until the 50, and then they had to punt again? Stop. They, they ran the ball. They couldn't throw the ball. Stop it. I, I well, mean, If that was the case, all they would have had to have done was kept running uh, the ball, but yet they couldn't. You're, you're such a pain in the ass. Um, I got Miami in this game. I think they'll be – and by the way – they get over 100 yards running in this game, and they get one running touchdown. How's that sound? <laughs> and they win the game. Uh, 21-14. All right. The Carolina Panthers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. As much as I would like the Panthers to win this game, this is where I think it ends for them. The Buccaneers. I really? Think, yeah, I, I think they have a bit of a letdown after the big win against Detroit. I think that, I don't know if their offense could do it two weeks in a row. Tampa can stop the run. They've had 
a great track record even before their defense was had all this talent. They had a great track record of stopping the run. I don't think it's the same kind of thing. I don't like the matchup of DJ Moore, a smaller receiver against Carlton Davis. Yeah, their their defense will keep them in it. This will be a close game, but I'm going to take Tampa. I think Brady leads a clutch drive late and wins an ugly defensive duel. I'm going to say 17 to 13. Yeah, Pats are going to win. Uh, the the uh, Bucks are going to win. I mean, the the, the the Panthers are no good. The Bucks will get in and make the playoffs, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I got the Bucks. I think the Bucks will win. They're the home team. Tom Brady will uh, do what he does best in the fourth quarter and lead his team to victory. I, I like Carolina. I like what they've done. Steve Wilk, uh, Wilkes deserves an opportunity to win this coaching job and have a full season over there in Carolina. We'll see what happens in the offseason. Tampa can, wins. Can it, can I give you some stats for your ass too? Go ahead. This is fun. This is fun. Go ahead. You said you said the Jets ran all over the Patriots in the yep. first game. Michael Carter, twenty-six yards. Robinson, seventeen. Johnson, six. Zach Wilson, two yards. Okay. What is that for a total? Two, six, twenty-six, and seventeen. Okay, and go to the other game. It's even worse for you. How's that? It's it's uh, twenty-six yards for Zach Wilson, nineteen for Carter, ten for Robinson, four for Johnson. They didn't run the ball in either game. They didn't. Okay. Not at all. So okay. when you're saying that they had the yards, you're making that up in your head. Mm. Those are some stats for your ass. Those are the numbers. How about the Cardinals? 85 yards. Uh, 85 yards by John Con- uh, uh, James Connor. Colt McCoy, 24. Kyler Murray, 3. Well, they have oh, 100 yards. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go through all the games. Let's go. Let's go all the games. Let's go the games. How about this? James Cook. Devin Singletary, Josh Allen, 64, 51, 20, 100 yards. Let's go to more. Let's go to more, buddy. Let's go to more. How about this? Josh Jacobs and 93 yards. Oh, and uh, uh, White, four yards, 100 yards over there. Let's keep going, baby. Let's keep going. I just gave you three games, buddy. Three games. Don't get me started, buddy. Don't try to play me on this. Don't play Bruce, me on Bruce this, Hall's, buddy. Bruce Don't Hall's play me better. on this. Brees Hall's better. Give me a break, man. I, I, I am Bruce Hall's I'm better. done. Remember, remember I'm done. saying that yesterday? How about this? Aaron this Jones, 110 yards. A.J. Dillon, 73 yards. Oh, my God. Christian Watson, 15 yards running. Oh, my God. It's over 100 yards again. Almost right, 200. But the, but the, Let's go. Two, That's another game. Two, Defense is great. Games. They can stop the run. How about this? Jamal Williams, 56. Craig Reynolds, 24. Justin Jackson, 14. Jared Goff, 7. Over 100 yards for this game. There's another one. But no individual has over 100 yards. And here's it going. Here's it going. Miami will have 100 yards and a touchdown and win the game, like I said. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with this. Don't bring it up anymore. I just named six games with over 100 yards. I can name more, buddy. I can name more, buddy. I can name more. Not a single guy. Not a single guy has gotten over 100 that you've named. Team. It's all about team, buddy. It's all about team. Patriots run defense in the NFL is ninth per game, 107.8 yards per game, mm-hmm. which is ninth in the NFL right now. The Congratulations. Chiefs, really Chiefs, good. Chiefs, Bengals, Steelers, Rams, Bills, Ravens, Titans, and Niners the only ones better right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And that's right, but the two games that he was like, no, the Jets moved the ball. Seven no, games, seven games no, with over 100 any. yards. No, Seven games. Whatever. Go on to the, the next games. I'm done listening. I'm done to listening. I'm done listening. I'm done listening. I'm done listening to this. The Cleveland Browns. I'm listening to being wrong. Yeah. Well, whatever. Cleveland Browns. And you were wrong. I just named seven games with over 100 yards. 
So there. Right. But the Jets moved the ball, did they? Whatever. No, they didn't. I got another no, one. Lamar Jackson, 107. Justin Hill, 60. J.K. Dobbins, 23. Finally, over finally 100 yards. to a guy that ran for over 100 yards. Finally, one guy dude, that ran for dude, over 100 yards. Dude, I just named eight games with over 100 yards. And eight in games. Previous, in those previous games, not a single oh individual god. with 100-yard rushing. Oh, my god. Oh, my god. Anyways, All go right. ahead. Cleveland Browns at the Washington Commanders, the last of the 1 o'clock games. This will be closer than expected. The Browns' defense has been better the last couple weeks. We're going to Browns right here, the Washington game? Browns-Washington, yes. I think the only issue I have with the Browns is still their run defense has still been very (laughs) iffy in terms of the yards per carry. Washington, they haven't been as good of a volume running team, but they've been a good efficient running team, and I think that'll end up helping them. And the secondary depth for Cleveland – I think we'll be able to contain some of the receivers but not completely keep it out. The problem I have with the Browns, though, is will they be able to run the ball? And I think that's going to make it hard. Washington's been tough up front, too. So I think it'll be close. But give me the commanders, I'm going to say, in a low-scoring game, 20-17. to It hasn't been perfect, but each week has been better and better. So I'm going to take the Browns because Deshaun Watson just keep, he, he keeps improving. It's not great, but there is improvements each week. Yeah, I, I got the Browns, too. I can't believe he took the t- This This was the game that I thought – was one of my surprise games. I, I like the Browns in this game. I think Deshaun Watson does enough in this game. I think he'll use his legs in this game. Um, and I expect him to, to, to slowly but surely, like Jeff said, get better. And he's shown that he has been better. So give me the Browns in this game. I don't like Washington. I think they'll put up some points, but not enough to win this game. Uh, Browns win 24-17. Uh, well, the commanders have to lose for Jeff's Motor City Kitties to get in the playoffs. There we go, baby. Now you know. Now you know the motivation. <laughs> yep, of course. All right, the Motor City Dan Campbell. <laughs> yep. Niners at the Las Vegas Raiders. No Derek Carr. Jeff's uh, former backup quarterback. Blowout. Stidham. Yeah, I'm going blowout in this one. The Raiders defense has been god awful. You know what? I'll give the Niners 40 points here. I'm going to say the Niners win it 42 to 20. <laughs> I'm going to take the Niners, but in a close one. I feel bad for Jarrett Stidham because it kind of feels a little bit like the team is just going to quit on him because they like Derek Carr, not because he's really good. And I think that that's unfortunate for Stidham that he's going to get in there in in probably a bad situation. 49ers are going to win the game. 49ers are going to blow him out like 40 to the, the 13. I, I don't think it's going to be close. So All there right. you go. Now to the game that will probably have zero fans. The LA Rams and the LA Chargers. Which fan base is Let's worse? just get to the point here. Well, yeah. I'll take the Chargers at a blowout. Uh, I'll say t- uh, 27 to 13. <laughs> yeah, I like the Chargers in this game. They are, uh, they're fighting for their playoff lives as well, and they need to take advantage of a team uh, that isn't playing very well right now. So I'll take the Chargers. Chargers. It's not even close. Justin Herbert throws close to 400 yards. Mm-hmm. All right. The Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers. Interesting game. I think this will go right down to the wire. I think the Packers defense definitely stood up a little bit against Miami in the fourth quarter. I'll give them credit on that. But, again, I also think Tua with the concussion issues. I don't know if you'll get that kind of thing with Kirk Cousins. I don't think he'll be forcing him the same way. Tua definitely did not look right, and you could definitely see that. So I think the Vikings will win it You do close. realize it's going to be really, really cold yeah, in Green I Bay. Yeah, of course. It's going to be lower scoring than the first meeting. I think you're going to see it's not going to be the offensive shootout that everyone expects it to be. I think the Packers defense has played better. But Minnesota can stop the run, and I think the Packers 
Christian Watson will get his, and I think that's really it. I don't he's know. He's not healthy. He might not even play. I know. He, like that's the only thing. Like, do they have another guy who can get the van- take advantage of the chunk? Play? Dobbs, so, baby. That's what'll worry. He's not really a deep threat, so I don't know if I necessarily see that. So I'm going to take Minnesota in this game, 24 to 20. I'm taking Minnesota as well. Uh, they just kind of get it done. They win a lot of close games. They just have more. They have a better running back. They have better receivers. With Aaron Rodgers with Rodgers with a broken thumb, Minnesota probably has the better quarterback, right? Like it's just things are just stacked up against Green Bay here. I'll, I'll take Minnesota. I got Green Bay. I think Green Bay will win a close game. I think Aaron Rodgers will do enough. He needs to win both of these games if they have any chance to make the playoffs. He puts his team on the shoulders. We've seen this in 2010, and they squeak into the playoffs and maybe make a run. I have Green Bay. Uh, it will be a cold one, 21-17. Wow, they're both fighting for a playoff spot next week. That'll be an interesting battle with the Packers at Jeff's Motor City Kitties to end the season. I, I'll take the fighting Dan Campbell. <laughs> you would. All right, the New York Jets and the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks. Uh, yeah, I, I figured you would pick the Seahawks for sure. I'm going to go with the uh, the low-scoring thing that Paul, Paul was saying earlier. I think this will be a defensive slugfest in yep. this one. I don't think either of these offenses will play great. The Jets can stop the run. Now, the question is, can they stop the receiving running backs, which Geno Smith does like to be able to spread the ball around that way. And also, I think the, the slot receivers, the tight ends, will make a difference in this game. The Jets, again, can they get enough outside receiving attack against those Seahawks corners will be tough to tell, too. Mike White. In that loud crowd noise, I don't know if he's used to it. So I think it'll be close, but I'm going to take Seattle in a tight one, 20-14. Yeah, you have to take Seattle here. It's the obvious choice. While both teams are 7-8, and eight, the big difference here is going to be the fact that Seattle actually has fans that are good. They'll get loud for the game. They're not mouth breathers. They're knowledgeable football fans. They support their team. They don't have All right, we're good with the it. We earned enough of it. Is- what are you talking about? We heard I'm enough talking, of it. We, we understand what you're going oh, like right. to say. Like you like to attack the Jet fans and New I'm York fans. I'm saying, yeah, I'm you saying do. Seattle has real good fans. I'm complimenting Seattle. Congratulations. That's co- that's a Jets compliment. win 24-20. The Jets win. Okay? And I can't wait until they win. Okay. Seahawks by 17. Okay. Seahawks by 17. Jets wow. win 24-20. All right. Seahawks by 17. <laughs> okay. Sunday Night Football. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Three touchdowns. Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. Another close, low-scoring game. The Ravens won the first meeting in Pittsburgh. I think the Ravens will still win this one, too. I think the Steelers, they had a nice win last week, but I think they'll have a little bit of a letdown. I think they finally have a losing season under Mike Tomlin. Well, I don't think Lamar Jackson will play again, but a lot of the running backs are coming back. The Steelers have done well against the run, but I think they'll be able to attack through the air with the running backs. So give me the Ravens in a tight one. I'm going to say 20-13. to Oh, man, I, this sucks. I mean, this. I, I, I guess I'm taking the Steelers. I can't believe in Brett Hundley. I just, it's, the passing game is so bad without Lamar Jackson there that it's it's incredible. And I, and the Steelers are going to know it too, so they're probably going to be concentrating on playing the run. So, ugh, I guess give me Kenny Pickett in that crappy offense. Ugh, I yeah, get dirty. I, I got the Steelers too. I think they're going to, they're going to end the season with, a 500 or close to a winning record. I, I think Pittsburgh is starting to to, to figure things out. And I, T.J. Watt coming back, it, it's helped the defense. Uh, they've been putting pressure on the edges. So give me Pittsburgh in this game. Close game, 17-14. Yeah, if they went out, they'd be 9-8. and eight, And that would, that would maybe they'll not make the playoffs, but at least, at least get a winning record for Mike Tomlin to keep that going. All right, last one. Maybe the game of the week, Monday Night Football. The Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. 
This is going to be tight. I think this will be lower scoring than a lot of people expect because the Bengals' defense has been really good lately. And the, in that secondary, it's going to be definitely tough. Buffalo has not had a consistent second receiver as much as they should. Dawson Knox has played better in recent weeks, but I think Cincinnati has the guys to be able to take them to contain him. And Stefan Diggs really hasn't been great in recent weeks either. So the Bills have been doing a lot of counterculture stuff, but I don't know if that'll work on the Bengals' defense. And with the secondary injuries the Bills have, that's going to be hard to take on that receiving core. So I do think it'll be a close game, but I'm going to take the Bengals in this one. I'm going to say 27 24 i'm i'm taking the bills in this game they're still fighting for that first round bye and home field advantage throughout the playoffs and and the bengals have had some cracks too while they came back against tampa they got down by a bunch early to tampa i think was it yeah, was they, it yeah they're down, down 17 early? nothing yeah they're down 17 right nothing. right so they, they're not as good as people think that they are they just took advantage of laziness by the bucks they're on a good streak. Speedy, this is one of those two hot scenarios. You no, I know. I'm waiting for that with the Bengals, hot. too. And I think it could happen in the last game of the season against the Ravens is what I'm thinking. But I think they win this one. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm taking Buffalo. Yeah, I got Buffalo in this game, too. I think they're... They're the better team, and I, I yeah, they are injuries, and but I think Josh Allen's going to show up in this game, and Joe Burrow's been good, and they've played, they're playing lights out Cincinnati. They've been as dominant as any team in football, knocking off Kansas City when they were playing as well as they were, and and I think that Buffalo is not, they haven't been running the ball, expect you know with Josh Allen's injury, and and Josh Allen's been putting his body on the line, and and Cook has been more unlikely the number one guy over there. Uh, but I, I think they'll be able to run against this defense. H- Hendrickson is not healthy in this game. They're not going to have any you know, edge rushing, um, you know, what we've seen in the beginning of the season. So I think Buffalo is the better team. I think Buffalo wins this game. It'll be close, 24-21. Mm-hmm. And those are our picks of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Jeff. Um, Let's go Seahawks. There you go. Yeah, enough with Jeff. I mean, seriously, such a pain in the ass all week with his text messages and his crap about New York fans. It's just disgusting. He's a disgusting waste of space uh, for a huge game here. <laughs> Glass Georgino erupts for a huge game. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, well, I think he will do well rushing. I do. He's the Jets have had trouble with that. The running quarterbacks. Anyways, uh, thank you to all the fans uh, for the whole wonderful year of just, you know, Staying with us and listening to us, we'll be back next year. Well, in next week, but uh, <laughs> and next 2023. Year. <laughs> but uh, thank you to all the fans that tune in to us and throughout our network. We really appreciate you. Um, thank you. Uh, listen to 103.9 this weekend. Uh, our last show on 103.9 for the year. Um, as uh, the weekend crunch will finish the year on a bang. Good night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.